1: Greetings and salutations. Too bad.
0: What's going on? They ain't even trying to play us no more. They don't give us no ads or nothing. I
1: appreciate that. Yes. This is gonna be glorious as always. Anytime we get to come on YouTube, it's always a special situation.
0: You do let the fan,
1: man. Shout out to EYL University. Ernest, what's
0: up? What's up? What's up? What's going anybody, on?
1: Man. you about to get it going.
0: I've unmuted myself.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's get the, the young legend, Chris Senegal in the building. Let's get him up and running. Peace, peace, peace. There you go. Peace. Hope everybody got a chance to check out the Killer Mike episode that's out right now on all platforms. The Young Legend himself, Chris. What's going on,
2: hey, brother? How family, how are y'all? Oh, we great, bro. Good man, how are you? I'm great, man. I'm great. I'm blessed, man. Can't complain. Hey, yeah. yo, man. We gotta
0: make it back to H Town. That's a fact. Yeah, we can't y'all wait.
2: Too, man, it was it was epic. It was too short. <laughs>
0: that was our first time it was definitely a memorable one man, for, for real. right
2: and then covid hit right before y'all were coming back right yeah we was
1: we, we was talking to you Remember, i was talking to you trying to work out like venues yep. and dates and all that then they used to use, like they had the rodeo going on and it was a bunch of stuff we had to push it back because we had philly and we mm-hmm. actually could we couldn't get either one off we had to cancel yeah, philly like two days before and houston was supposed to be after philly so yeah God willing, whenever this thing clears up, finally, man, we're coming back. We're coming back to Houston. Full yes, sir. Full,
2: full steam ahead. Got to make it happen, man. Got to make it happen. We had a good time out there, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shout out to H-Town,
1: man. Shout out to H-Town for sure, man. So, yeah, man, we're going to just, you know, let people um, settle in here. But once again, thank you for for joining us i feel like you know uh, we just shot your episode it's crazy how time flies that was
2: man yeah really but man just watching the trajectory of EYL man it's been it's been phenomenal to watch man i'm like the biggest fan
0: yeah man we shot that we shot yeah. your episode we went to we did our uh our Houston uh open house in a sense really a meet and greet uh uh-huh. I was like yo man we got a special one with you
1: <laughs> yeah love that i love that yeah, alumni, alumni. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was dope, man. That was dope. So yeah, if anybody's not familiar, Chris Senegal, a legend in his own right. Um, episode 36 of Ernie Your Alicia, you should definitely check that out if you get a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the time, this is actually dope because at the time he was like in the process of, um, like he brought a whole block in Houston. So I won't go over the whole story cause it's in the episode. So what happened is that you know he was a real estate a developer and then he brought a whole block in Houston, Texas in the 5th ward which at the time was run down um <laughs> like prostitution yeah um drugs stuff like that and um he he changed the whole the whole face of the block and he put like townhouses up but what makes him different is that he's not just you know bringing people in just you know gentrifying the neighborhood so what happens a lot of times in and poor working class neighborhoods is that, you know, people do well for themselves, right? They grow up in a neighborhood, but they might become a doctor, a lawyer, accountant or whatever, right? Maybe they get a six figure job and then they, they move into the suburbs. Mm -hmm. So the problem with doing that is that now, as we put in the post today, the suburbs, the dollars, it helps their school district. Mm -hmm. It helps their roads, their, their, um, you know, their infrastructure. And meanwhile, the, the hood
0: place you grew up in
1: never gets that. But Mm -hmm. what does come is that now people that are not from that neighborhood come into that neighborhood and then they start investing. And now what happens is that the people that the culture actually changes and the people gets pushed Mm -hmm. out. So he had the idea like to say, okay, well, why don't we bring the people that are originally from this neighborhood? They got families in this neighborhood that grew up in this neighborhood or just grew up in similar type of neighborhoods Mm -hmm. and bring them back. Right. So working class professionals, instead of going to the suburbs, come back into the inner city and let's change the culture of it. Like, let's get better schools. Let's get, you know, let's make it a safe environment. Mm -hmm. Let's do all that. But let's do it responsibly. So Mm -hmm. he, he was like the first person that we really interviewed that had that that strategy. And so from now and I'll let him tell it better than I can. But from from that point until now, he. um. He brought and sold, he built and sold five homes. He started working on eight. Um, he started, he's starting working on eight next month. Um, mm-hmm. He purchased 18 houses and two commercial buildings mm-hmm. in March. And um, so he's actually like in the process of actually buying back the block yeah, in, in real time. It's, so
0: it's fitting because, you know, shout out shout out to Houston. But like when I think of Houston, I think of Scarface and his. he yeah, had the sell my block. Yeah, I'm looking like, yo, Chris really did it. And and just how happens when we went there, we stayed in the fifth ward. Third ward. Third ward. Third ward. Third ward. And I was like, yo, I remember one day we lost, I thought we lost Shotty, I was like, yo, bro, yo, anybody seen (laughs) Shotty? And yo, we couldn't find him. We like, yo, damn, I think somebody followed us to the crib, bro. I think they got him. (laughs) He's like walking like aimlessly down the block. Like, this is a nice neighborhood. He's like, you know, I just saw Chris Senegal,
1: he's scouting. Yeah. Chris being on the street, man. Yeah, they, 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 they thought I got kidnapped. I thought, I, we thought he got yeah. kidnapped. They, they was real. running out the house like, yeah. where is he? Where is he at? Like, yeah. I'm like, Yo, I just took a stroll in the neighborhood, man. <laughs> was, they, they, they literally thought I got kidnapped in Houston. Right. But um, but yeah. So Chris, um, so what we're gonna do is um, I'm gonna let you go through your presentation and all that But before we even start, mm-hmm. um. Anything that I missed out as far as the backstory or where you're at now, as far as the development, things of that nature?
2: Man, you hit all the important points. I mean, you know, we we got two different projects. One is, you know, the new construction, bringing in the higher incomes back to the community. And the other one is that 18 uh, house portfolio I bought is specifically to protect the existing residents. You know, we we can try to get the city to control the rents or whatever, talk about, you know, stopping gentrification, but we can't stop it. The only way you really control the rents is to own the real estate that the rents come from. And so that's been my focus, man, just trying to show that we can do both sides. Um, So yes, I'll get into a little presentation. We'll talk about that in a second.
1: All right, so let's get into it. So before we start, we're gonna um, welcome everybody. So what we do, we do this this once a month at the end of the month. So we have EYL University and um, part of EYL University is that we do weekly classes. Like we do a class every single week, every Wednesday at eight o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And then at the last Wednesday of each month, We open it up for the public so they can like, you know, have like an open house. It's kind of like an open house type deal. Mm -hmm. So what we do with the EYL university classes is that different from the podcast, where it's it's interactive. So a teacher or presenter comes on and they um they give like a 20-minute PowerPoint presentation on it on their different topics. And then members from EYL University, then they engage with them, they ask questions, and it's like an interactive, it's a new way of learning. So what we did with EYL University, we we think is is really create a personal finance school, bigger than just investing, because it's like you could just watch Market Mondays just for mm-hmm. investment tips. But EYL University is a whole personal finance school. So like this month, the classes that we had was um disability insurance. Mm-hmm. We had um how to start a marijuana company with two thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and we had um car buying class. Um, and then next, next Wednesday, we have the class about Africa real estate, how to invest in Ghana real estate, international real estate. So we got a lot of international people and we want to start doing more international stuff. But even if you live in America, um, Ghana's on fire right now. So each and every week we do, we do a different class. No, November, we got some heat coming. Yeah. We got some heat. Coming. And then, um, in addition to that, we got the book and movie club Yep. headed up by you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right now we're doing a money master the game and that's been going crazy every week. I mean, I think we had a record last week. We had like almost 400 people in our book club. It was absolutely amazing. And It's more than a book club. It becomes like this therapeutic session on finance and real estate. And then it becomes like, yo, I found my partners. And inside of that, we have what we call uh, triads, which is like three people that are finding ways that they have in common and uh, becoming accountability partners for each other. So it's like, yo, that could be my business partner or it could just be somebody that's pushing me to find my goals or reach my goals. And what we've noticed is like, this is this is dope. It's like, sometimes you tell the person close to you your goals and they don't believe in you. Mm-hmm. But when you tell a stranger your goals, all they know is your goals. They don't know anything about you but the goal and they try to help you reach. And I think that's one of the beautiful things that we find inside of our, our accountability triad. So it's dope.
1: Yeah, so we got that. Then we got the private Facebook group, which is an investment group. And that's a community within itself. Over 4,000 members in there. And then we have um, bi-weekly real estate calls with yeah, MG, the mortgage guy. So every su- every other Sunday, MG he gets on, it's just like a two hour, three hours, sometimes even four hour just real estate call. And they just talk about a variety of different real estate calls. And then once a month, I do financial planning calls. Everybody knows I'm a financial advisor. And what happened is that I put my schedule up and it just became too much. It became overwhelming for me to actually take calls. So I limited that. And I realized that a lot of people had the same question. So every single month, sit down for about two hours on a Saturday and um, we talk about financial planning and yeah. go over different stuff, life insurance, retirement, you know, just different financial planning topics. So all of that. And then we have orientation. Orientation.
0: Yeah, yeah. So every uh, month now that we get new earners coming in and we're treating this like a school, right? EYL University, we have orientation. So some people get, they come into it and they're just like overwhelmed by the information. Because like I said, we're not just capping when we're telling you like there's a lot of courses, a lot of content. So we have an orientation that can help you and guide you through that process, walk you through it, uh, find a track for you, right? Because some people may say like real estate is not my thing well, we got over 70 courses. What is your thing? And so you find a track and you follow it. And that's kind of what makes it dope about having accountability partners and triads is that you're going to find people who are on similar tracks. So everybody's pushing forward in the same direction, whatever direction you choose.
1: Yeah, that's a fact. So, so yeah. So I say that to say this is like open house. Once a month we do this open house situation (laughs) and um, it's a lot, it's a lot. So the reason why like the price keeps going and it's still undervalued is $360 for the entire year. But we're adding to it. So it's an ongoing thing. Mm -hmm. So as we add to it, we have different overhead, we have staff. Now we have different, you know, so this we have, we're running a promo code Mm -hmm. 40% off for the whole entire year. Annual membership at $360, which is like I said, that's like a night in Atlanta Um, (laughs) for 24 hours, 24 hours (laughs) from, from right now, 24 hours. And then after that, you can still join. It's just, you know, slightly, higher membership. It's like a stock. Once yeah, you get in,
0: that's how some it. people
1: got it at $99 and it's only going up from there because it's just added value. We're going to make this bigger than um, Phoenix University. Big fat. This, this is going to be the biggest online university in, in existence. So I'm going to put the link in and it's only for the link because we try to make this as easy as possible. There's no code or anything. <laughs> it's just a link. The link, I'm going to pin the link in YouTube. It's in the It's in the description. If you want to join, 40% off 24 hours. So Chris, let's get into it. Okay.
2: All right, let's go. Let's go. Let me see. I'm sharing my screen with everybody.
1: Does he have to do something to share it or?
3: No,
2: nah, he's a host now. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me
1: see. I, I got it here. Yeah, Chris is a tech guy, so I know he knows how to do this.
2: Right? <laughs> An engineer in his own right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Chris is.
4: Okay.
2: Let's see. Yeah, we see you over here. Okay. Let me make sure it's not. Let me see. Slash over from the beginning. There we go. All right. So, how to buy the block. I appreciate the opportunity, guys, for uh, y'all to have me on today. Um, this this topic is very near and dear to me because I've been an investor since 2008. Um, I did the typical fix and flip model, the wholesale model. And what I realized was that, man, sometimes you it's such a capitalistic uh, business and you're trained by other capitalists that don't have the same background as you, that they'll train you to do some things that actually come, sometimes can't hurt the community. Um, or, or they'll they'll teach you how to make money in the community, but not actually own the community long term. And so for me, uh, I just had an aha moment one day and I had an epiphany, I was like, well, you know, we, we all, we're always talking about these things that happen in our neighborhoods. And I know other people that look like me that are investors, but nobody is really talking about how to tackle this challenge, um, this gentrification issue. Um, how do we start controlling these neighborhoods again? So um, that's been my mission since about 2012 and 2013 is when I bought that first block that you talked about. Um, so let's just start with the definition of gentrification. The process by which a part of a city changes from being a poorer area to a richer one, and people from a higher social class are beginning to move in. Usually, if no one advocates for the poorer residents, they become displaced. So, let's let's get this out the way. I saw the post that y'all made earlier, and I saw the comments uh, under the post, and it's like, man, we all know the problems. We we all we all know about slavery. We all know about redlining. We all know about all the other injustices that we have we at some point we got to start focusing on the solutions to these problems and it's okay to regurgitate them and it's it's okay to be a debater it's okay to be a historian but what about the future we like and this quote by Will Smith when he first got on Instagram always resonates with me it's like it may not be your fault that something happened to you but it's damn sure your responsibility to fix it and so that's exactly where i am um so my mission Changing the narrative gentrification through redevelopment that balances the opportunity to attract higher income people, originally from similar communities, out of the suburbs while ensuring existing residents are not displaced in the process. So let's talk about revitalization plus gentrification. Always a debate, okay? So everything has a life cycle, including a neighborhood. It has a life cycle, guys. Um, so it, it, everything has to start over at some point or either it's just gonna die you know, you don't, you, we can't just let everything stay where it is. So we either revitalize and have con- community control narrative, or we stand back and let somebody else do it from the sideline, right? And then that's con- controlled specifically by outside groups that want profit, and that's what we usually associate with the term gentrification. With so then, you know, like I said, I was doing this back in 2013, 2014, but this trendy phrase came up, you know, about two years ago called buying the block, and I'm like, okay, wait a minute, I guess I guess that does define what I'm doing. So we are are trying to acquire and control the redevelopment of real estate in our historic neighborhoods. So let's let's talk again about the problems we all know about and the history that we don't think to mention sometimes. All these neighborhoods are disadvantaged for the most part, but they once thrived with people from all economic classes. And what do I mean by that? Well, before desegregation, all of those vacant Rundown commercial buildings you see in these poor neighborhoods used to be vibrant businesses, the doctors, the lawyers, the the the, the carpenters, the movie theaters, the, the restaurants, everything that we did not have the right to patronize in another community was in these communities, and we patronized all of those things. So let's not think about it, it as always been uh, a a a, uh, a a horrible place to be. At one point in time, it thrived. Here's nothing to look at businesses like grocery stores are scarce in our communities. But when these neighborhoods thrive during that same timeframe, the businesses were actually owned by the people in the community and they were sustainable. So if it happened before, it can happen again. So my goal has been, how do we, how do we go in these neighborhoods? How do we buy the block and do it without displacing the existing residents? So it took me about two or three years to really come up with a model that would work. I bought the property in 2013, but I really didn't know what I was gonna do with it. Um, and uh, you know, eventually I, I, I came in and I put these key pieces together. So if we can go in the communities that we can invest in the vacant property, in the abandoned property, in the neglected property, the, 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 the drug houses, the, the, the houses that, that, that uh, attract criminal activity, right? Not going on knocking on doors, asking the seniors to sell their house, not taking advantage of people that are, you know in desperate financial, desperate financial situations. Let, let's focus on these properties in the first bullet, number one. Number two, try to keep rental rates affordable if you're going to go in the community and buy rental properties, okay? That, what that means is sometimes you're taught go in and renovate it and make it as nice as possible, which means your investment has to be larger on the front end. In exchange, you have to demand more for the rent, right? But if you can buy a, a, a rental property that's in decent condition and the tenant is happy with the way it is, you don't have to invest so much on the front end. You can still structure a deal where you get a good return if you're a good negotiator, where you buy it at the right price. So then the person can stay right there where they are. And the third component is one of the hardest components. How do we prevent home ownership uh, loss uh, due to higher taxes? That's gonna be more of a political play where we have to get with uh, politicians that do this in other. C- it's, it's already implemented in some cities where if you've owned your home for longer than a certain amount of time, you're exempt from property tax increases um, and you know, so that's, that needs to be something that we need to focus on in these communities to make this buy the block model really work without uh, being a detriment to the community. Okay, so when is the right time to buy in these neighborhoods, okay? Here's a couple of key points. I'm not talking about a war zone. I'm not talking about, <laughs> I'm not talking about anywhere still in super Hood, you know? Uh, we, we are talking about areas and communities where um, there's already some sign of something positive happening, okay? Um, And just remember, even if you see an abandoned community that that looks like it has a lot of potential bullet number two is very important. It's harder for you to to spark this revitalization and get a return on investment if you are the only catalyst, you have to go into communities where there's already something kind of going on. And we still have an opportunity to step in front of it. And instead of trying to stop. You know the redevelopment and calling it gentrification let's participate in it let's control the narrative let's control parts of everything that's going on in the community okay uh, so things you want to look for when you see announcements of projects in the newspaper on the news um, city council meetings um, from other people that are in real estate that you know people that are networking with with developers or builders um, people you know in your community that are, that are uh, j- investors you know when you hear these types of announcements and th- that that lets you know something is coming, you know? The second uh, Burger King figures out where McDonald's put a, a land purchase contract in, they're going to try to buy land right next to them, right? Same thing with Walgreens and CVS. So as the smaller guys in this play, as we're trying to independently control and buy back these blocks, we need to be following the big boys, you know? It's gonna happen, we can't fight them, we can't stop them, so we might as well participate. Another good thing to look at is the city activity. Uh, when when, when when a city activity picks up in a neighborhood um, on the private real estate side, okay? When a particular neighborhood where you didn't see any new construction before, now you start seeing for sale signs and you see active construction work going on, that's probably a good community, especially if it's one of our communities. Um, that's a good time for you to start saying, okay, this might be a neighborhood that I might wanna look at trying to buy the block with, okay? And then the city initiatives to spark redevelopment, that's on the public side. So when you see, when you see the city going into community and they're repaving streets and they're putting in sidewalks and they're updating signs and they're putting in bike paths. They're doing all of that because that's kind of the extent that the, that the public, uh, the government can do to entice developers. They want developers to see this and investors to see this and say, OK, this is a neighborhood I want to be in. So if you look for these signs before all the houses have gone up and before everything looks nice, these are neighborhoods that, you, that we should be trying to buy to block in, especially if they are communities. So how do we successfully execute buying back the block? Okay, so number one, when it comes to uh, buying blocks, if you're gonna do something bigger than individual houses, you don't wanna get a big plan together. You don't wanna spin your wheels on things if you do not have site control. Site control is the single most important part of that process because what happens is you put this tremendous plan together and either the seller decides they don't wanna sell um, or you don't have all of the properties together that you need for the project uh, or they, they get wind of something else and they, they increase their price on you. Um, and so all of these factors will end up with you doing all this work, all this planning, and then you have no property to actually use it for. So all that time and money is wasted, right? So there's several ways you get site control. Number one, just make sure you have the property under a solid contract at a set purchase price with a certain time frame on it, okay? That way, um, if, if it's one piece of property that you need for this entire project, then you know you have control of that. Number two is kind of you know obvious, outright purchase, but that's not practical in most situations. Just going out and buying a whole block and paying for it cash is not really practical. Um, and then the third one is an option to purchase. So if you have a, a project that you want that you want to uh, take on, and let's say it's five or six different owners, seven different owners, and you don't know if all of them are going to want to sell. You don't know um, if their price points are gonna be reasonable if they do wanna sell. What you wanna do is execute options to purchase. And what that is, is you go from owner to owner and you say, hey, Mr. Owner, um, let's negotiate. Let's come to a price that we both agree on. I'm not buying your property today, but if you give me a year, you give me two years um, and I can pull this thing together that I'm trying to do, you have to allow me to buy your property at this price, okay? In exchange for that, I'm going to give you this money. Could be $1,000, could be $500, whatever. Hey, if you never hear from him again, this is your $1,000. You know. But if I come back to you uh, in a year and I'm ready to buy, then we have to follow through on this contract. And so that allows you to control each individual parcel until you get them all together for the project that you're trying to do. Okay, next most important step is planning and design because you have to really understand what it's going to take to pull this concept off that you're trying to implement. Now, if you're buying a, a if you're trying to buy more than one property and there are rental properties, like I said earlier, and there's already tenants there, then you know this process is going to be a lot easier for you because you don't have a lot of work to do on the front end, right? You don't have a lot of expenses that in, in the real estate development world is called soft costs. These are things that are intangible. Like once you spend the money, the money's gone. Once you pay an architect for design work, whether the project gets started or not that's gone, right? Um, The permitting fees, uh, paying for engineers, all that kind of stuff. Um, Construction, of course, construction is gonna be one of your biggest expenses, because you wanna make sure that while you have site control, you really understand what the cost of this entire project is gonna be. Um, And then you wanna make sure that planning and zoning and city ordinance or whatever in your area and just the the general uh, city permit approvals are in place For you to be able to execute your project and most importantly all of this is really that all of that comprises feasibility of rather buying this block and doing whatever you plan to do with it really makes sense okay now so after you get site control and you've got a good plan together then you have to figure out how you're actually going to take down the project and how you're going to start the project so my number one go-to is what's been working for me in houston is seller financing if I would have waited in 2013 for a bank to tell me that I was bankable to buy a whole block and I was waiting for a bank to tell me that a block in the hood was worth a certain amount of money when there were no recent sales and it was full of crime and, and drug infestation, you know, I would have never got that project off the ground. So, but what happens when you go to somebody that owns the property outright? Okay, that means it's probably been in their family longer than 30 years or it's maybe passed down from generation to generation. And they have the right, the free and clear right to do whatever they want the property. You can negotiate with them. And um, so for one of my properties, I'm going to show you in a case study. One of them, I negotiate 10 percent down to buy a whole block. The second one I had to come to the table with 50 percent of the agreed upon purchase price. But then you make payments to them instead of making payments to a bank. And they're not gonna check your credit score. They're not gonna do a background check. They're not gonna ask you about other things because when sellers finance something directly to you, they know that if you default, they can just take the property back and they can start the process over, do the same thing again, right? So that's a trick. Well, that's not not really a trick, but that's a technique that we need to implement more often when we're trying to get in our communities and do these things. So something else, if they don't agree to that, or if they do agree to that, but you don't have enough money for the down payment, start off with a small group of investors uh, maybe i would always suggest you have somebody on your team that's experienced with uh with with investing um and you know have them come on a team and help you through the process um i i highly I, I highly suggest you don't do it if you're all newbies and you have nobody on the team because what may seem like a good deal may not be a good deal and then third is crowdfunding crowdfunding is what i did for one of my projects but I didn't do a crowdfund until I had been in real estate investing for almost 13 years. Okay, so a lot of people ask about it, but when you take other people's money, you know, and and you and you are trying to complete a project, all those bullet points before that got to be spot on because people are not giving you donations; they are giving you money, and they are expecting their money back, and they're expecting a profit on top of that. So, you know, you got to be really careful when you get in that realm. Um, and most importantly of all of these things is the right team. You can have the right plan. Um, you can have all every, every box checked, but if you don't have the right team to execute on buying back the block, um, you, you, it'll be very hard for you to be successful. Now, the most important key is that we all have to participate. And this is what I mean by that. The investors need to be participating in this, okay? We need to be actively looking to buy in our communities, okay? If you're a landlord, maybe you don't wanna actually live in the community, but you're, you have rental properties. You should be trying to control rental properties in these same neighborhoods. Um, and you can maybe, maybe one investor has bought the block and renovated the block and now they're selling the homes to, to other people. Well, you as an investor should come in and buy some of the properties from that developer so that the, the ownership transfers from us to us, right? And then you as someone who looks like the community should be looking out for people in the community and have a a vested interest in not being a slumlord and taking care of the community. Of course, realtors play an integral part in this, why? Because when you have buyers, when you have investors, when you have renters, you should be telling them about all of the investors, landlords, developers, builders you know in the community and trying to steer them to to these neighborhoods first. Once again, I'm not talking about war zones, okay? I'm talking about areas that there's already some sign of revitalization. And lastly, and most importantly, the, the, the regular buyers, like for my development, um, that I'm gonna show you in a second, all my buyers look like us, young working professionals. It's not, it's not as bad, it's not the hood that sometimes people say it is. You 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 have to be very aware of what outside narratives are versus what's really there. So, as a buyer, if you're in a community and some of those other signs have already talked about are happening if you see redevelopment starting if you see a lot of activity in the community if you see the city putting things in guess what that city's already got that neighborhood on their radar even though it may not be perfect yet it's coming and usually what happens is we go to the community one day and it's the hood and we go back a year later and it's million dollar homes and we're like what happened and we're mad and it's gentrification it's like no what really happened was from the time you left other people saw value in that community and they started buying And not everybody's buying rental properties. People are really moving in their community. They're walking their dogs. They're riding their bikes. And their values are steadily going up, steadily going up. And then by the time we get wind of what's going on in the community, the prices are so high we can't afford it, right? So that's usually what happens. So, Troy Rashad, I I know I'm talking a lot, man. That that was- that was, uh, I, you, got, you got it man nah, I, nah, i'm actually could. taking
3: notes nah, I hope, I
2: hope, I, yeah i hope everybody on youtube please
1: hit the like button and i hope people greatly appreciate this because it's like nobody's doing this like nobody and that's the reason why we created EYL university like i said it's a it's a business school but do you not you don't learn this stuff in business school no, like, this you know I mean? and this is just the beginning like he still got more to talk about but it's like people talk about buy the black buy back the block what does that mean how do you, like, what does that mean, right? Hell, like, why are we even calling? I'll yeah, block so this is like, him. all right, this is this is a step by step blueprint from somebody that has is actually doing it and has actually done it. So now, nah, keep going, bro, Chris, I Chris, real
0: real quick. So, yeah, um yeah. some of those signs. Are there any other type of retail uh or c- commercial real estate that we should be looking for for a sign? I, I know somebody in the chat said, yo, when you see a Starbucks or. When so you-
2: usually so so that's something else that we have a misconception about right so mm-hmm. usually like we get mad when grocery stores and those types of businesses leave the community but those businesses have whole departments that before they buy before they figure out where their location their site selection team pulls the demographics and they say what's the average income in this community mm-hmm. do these people earn enough and do they have enough disposable income to support our business right so you're not going to see commercial signs going in until almost till it's too late because all the incomes in that area are already going to be so high and they're going to be buying houses at such high prices. And, and, you know, the price is going to continue to go up that it becomes priced out for us. So what, and, and the way development usually works is the rooftops come first, the houses come first, the, the new residents with the higher incomes come in first. And the only way you get ahead of that wave is by looking at those signs that I told you earlier, but yeah, mm-hmm. if you, if you, um, it's almost like if you see a Starbucks, it's almost too late.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it made me think of like Whole Foods don't end up in every neighborhood. You know what I mean? Right. They don't. And people don't, really,
2: speaking <laughs> of Whole Foods, people don't realize like a grocery store has the lowest profit margins of almost any business. It's usually three to 5%. So they're not going to go in a neighborhood, even if the city gives them all the money to build the facility, they still have to have, they have, have to float every month. They got to be operating positive. Right. So, I mean, grocery stores, the highest probability is um, on the fresh produce, on the meats, and the stuff on the shelves um, th- it's not really very profitable. So if you're in a community where people are buying everything off the shelf, in the cans and in the boxes, and you got this huge overhead from all these employees, and you got this huge op- overhead from this huge lease you got, and you got this high utility bill, you know, it's, it's, it's highly unlikely that you're going to be profitable if you try to go into one of those neighborhoods for the sake of, uh, you know, social service, right? They, I mean, they have to run a business at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. So, and... Uh- YouTube, if you could like this, two things I need from YouTube. Everybody like, we got nine hundred and ninety-seven people. There's no reason why we shouldn't have nine hundred and ninety-seven <laughs> likes. <laughs> if, 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 if you didn't like it, just politely comment why you why you thought the information wasn't valuable enough to like. It doesn't even cost anything. Doesn't even <laughs> won't even burn a calorie. And then also um, share it with somebody. Just go like this is life changing, generational changing information that we you know giving out right now. Like you know share it with people and shout out to MG the Mortgage Guy and shout out to Brandon Rule, legend himself, and shout out to Andre Hatchet, the first teacher that we ever have for EYL University. That's, fact. that's my guy, man, for sure. No, and- bunch um, of
2: legends in here. Yeah,
1: for sure, for sure. So, all right, Chris. And then somebody said on, on YouTube, it was like a fifth ward isn't the hood hood. Yeah, that's kind of the whole point of what he said. Like, you don't want to go into the most, <laughs> right, slightly dangerous. You don't yeah, want right. you to invest in a full war zone, <laughs> like nah, slight, s- slightly dangerous. I like yeah, yeah, I mean, slightly, slightly.
2: It's, it's something where the, 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 you know, the criminal, criminal activity is going down significantly. And there's more police patrols coming and all that kind of stuff. You know, you, you, you have to be there. So I mean, that's the only way you really participate in. And I understand the people that have like young kids or feel uncomfortable in those situations. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm not forcing you to, I'm just saying with my projects, I have buyers that specifically chose to come to the communities and they have had zero issues. Like they have had not a single issue. Um, so, you know, it's, it's all about perspective. And we talk about schools and education a lot. Uh, thankfully, in a big city like Houston, there's a lot of charter schools, a lot of private schools. So you have alternatives to the public school system until that public school system catches up in that neighborhood. But in the same time, you think about this. If you buy. Okay, I'll give you an example. Um, there was a lady that went to Third Ward, like the hood part of Third Ward, worse than where, where y'all stayed, but the first house had been renovated. Uh, middle-aged, white lady, uh, was like one of the last people walking out of an open house. And my boy was there. And he said that um, 90% of the people that walked through this open house in the hood part of Third Ward were white. So he said that curiosity got the best of him. He stopped her and asked her. He's like, why are you here? And what what attracts you to this area? And she was like, oh, well, I bought my house in the Heights in which is another neighborhood that's been gentrified for about 15, 16 years. She's like, I bought my house in the Heights about 15 years ago. And the neighborhood looked just like this. And my property value is going up $300,000. So I'm about to sell that house and come over here and do the same thing. And I'm like, well, man, imagine if more of us thought about that. Imagine what, what the average household income or the average, average household net worth would be for our community. And imagine how many of our children we could pay to go to college out of the equity in our homes mm-hmm. if we thought like that.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a lot of information. That's, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a gem right there. Really, man. That's a gem right there. Yo, we got to get to Houston,
0: man. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to come back to Houston. Yeah, we got, yo, Mr. Dunlap we're paging you <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: all right, so, yeah, all right. I'm, I'm gonna run through the case studies real quick All right, you know, let's, let's so, it. so let's talk about fifth ward people talking about it's not the hood so let, let, let's go through it so settled in the middle 1800s believe it or not um middle 1800s to 1900 it was actually half mi- it was mixed uh white and black um it was annexed into the city 1866 by 1900 it was a predominantly black neighborhood with thriving businesses and don't believe me let me show you this is lions avenue this is the same street that one of my projects was on this is this is from the 50s on lions avenue you see all types of businesses all up and down the street and you see who's walking up and down the street this was a segregated neighborhood at that point in time okay this is the other way down the same street i mean i see tailors i see movie theaters i see pawn shops you know i see restaurants everything's in the community right but then in the 1960s when desegregation happened um, two major freeways came through the community, of course. All these negative impacts uh, caused a lot of disinvestment. And then some of the redlining impacts also uh, hurt the community. And by the 1970s, there was a mass exodus of the majority of successful people. The business owners, had a lot of them had closed up shop because the patronage had gone down, the customers had moved out. Um, and so the communities no longer thrived. Um, but what that did is that that opened up opportunity for other people to come into the community. However, these are some of the other highlights. like the picture at the bottom on the right is uh the first uh black hospital built in 5th ward actually in Houston that we had, we had uh you know recording studios i mean you know these neighborhoods were thriving so that that's the part that i, I want people to remember when we think about these neighborhoods um they they used to be great that if we had a black wall street in every city because we had to create our own we we couldn't we couldn't patronize other other uh, other neighborhoods so this is the freeway that kind of came through this is the same street in the same vicinity, like one block off. But you see now, the only thing that's left, thankfully the churches are still there, but the neighborhood is uh, a lot less activity going on. A lot of the buildings are gone now. So this is the property that I bought, which is in Fifth Ward. That's the same freeway that you see in the back on the left side, Highway 59. So in 2014, I did what I was telling everybody to do earlier. I was watching the city trends. I was watching redevelopment and it was going counterclockwise around downtown and this was the last neighborhood that had not been uh, touched by redevelopment or gentrification. So I was able to negotiate with this owner to buy this entire block for, uh, for half a million dollars and negotiate 10% down, okay? So I actually sold a couple of rental properties. I had an investor put in a little bit um, and I took control of this property. Everybody thought I was crazy. They, this was still the bloody nickel at that point in time, but I knew, I knew. Uh, just by watching the redevelopment trend, eventually it was going to come because this was like literally the last quadrant around downtown that had not been redeveloped, okay? So I actually paid over market value. Here's why. There were no sales. There was no comps. So if you looked at the tax records, that's the only thing you can go off of. It had the, the whole property worth about 350000 But what I knew, taking a calculated risk by watching the redevelopment, is like, well, if I'm not paying cash for it and I'm only giving him 50000 right now, and I'm, I'm financing it for 20, 30 years, it's highly likely that by the time I get even close to paying this off, the value will have caught up and exceeded it. So what that does is almost put you in a position where you're like kind of partnering with the owners. You know, you're telling them you're going to give them a little bit more over time than what the property is currently worth, but you have everything calculated. And you know that by the time you you, you make whatever move you're going to make, the value will have caught up and you will have equity on the back end. So, okay, so I talked about this already. So 2014 is when I bought it, 2016, the bet paid off. 2016, this is the south end of Fifth Ward. Uh, one of the biggest developers in Houston bought 136 acres that used to be KBR, used to be the national defense contractor, um, right next to downtown, right on the water and what we considered the hood, but of course they always find value when, you know, when we don't find value. And they, they put this big plan together, to do this massive project. And so that was the first catalyst in the community. So this again, this is this is the project site that they got. You see where downtown is. And the star is where both of my projects are. So one of my projects is right here, the new construction townhome project where the, where the grocery store is, is right there. Now that's one mile radius. This one is like a little, little bit more than three quarters of a mile radius where the other project is, okay? This is what's gonna be built on that site. This is not speculation. This is what's going to be there. Mm. Okay, they've already, they've already cleared all of the old buildings. They've already done all the underground infrastructure. They've run all the utilities. They they did slow down a little bit because of COVID um, and some of the lumber price and stuff going up. But the CEO said they're still moving forward with the project. So after that happened in 2016, here's another creative technique you can use. I talked the owner into uh, converting from a owner finance note, which is like a mortgage note to partnering with me so what i said was look i still owe you like three hundred thousand. um you can wait the next 20 years to get it or you can partner with me on this project and let me figure out how i can do some new construction and then i can pay you out as i sell these houses on the back end and you can be paid off in three or four years instead okay. of waiting 30 years okay so he agreed so what did that do that took the mortgage off of the property so now I am the primary, uh, the primary partner, he's a limited partner and I have this property I can now go to the bank and say it's free and clear. I don't have any debt on it, right? So then I use the property as collateral as I started shopping to get the loans to do the redevelopment. But the downside of course, what I talked about earlier, I had to go through 23 different lenders before I got approved no matter how great my plan was, there was no established marketability in this neighborhood because there, there was no new construction um, even though the redevelopment was that close um, it was really hard for me to find a lender that would uh, that would partner with me on a project so you know I had a private investor come in and put in uh, uh, IRA money 250,000 um, she she's a young uh, black uh, chick that worked for um, oil and gas company worked for shell for a while she had a nice IRA. That she was, uh, that she wasn't using. it Was sitting in the stock market, and you know, I showed her the vision. She believed in it, and she was like, "Okay, cool." I didn't take her money and spend it. I, t- I took it and put it in a bank account to show interest reserves to hope to hopefully that would try to sweeten the deal with the lender. So and, finally, and, and Chris, not to cut you off, but yeah,
1: we, we did a we did a class on self directed IRAs too yeah. at New York University, and um, I'm not sure if that's the path you went, but a lot of people don't even realize that you can actually use your retirement accounts like an IRA to invest in real estate without paying taxes. So I just wanted to throw that in there since you, since you no, have IRA. No, that,
2: that's, that's exactly right. When you have a self-directed IRA, you can invest in any asset that you choose and it's literally self-directed. You just have a, a, a company that's a, basically a custodian for you to help you check boxes, but yeah, you can, you can invest it however you want. So that's something that you can leverage in real estate. Um, so like, like I said, there was challenges with new, no new construction. Also, when I got ready to start the project, what I realized is like a lot of these older neighborhoods, there's a lack of utility infrastructure. So this old grocery store didn't have much plumbing, you know, it wasn't drawing much electricity. Um, and when I got ready to do my new project, I realized that the city was gonna require me to update a lot of this infrastructure. So that's something that you gotta think about if you're planning on doing projects on this scale. Um, it's something that you usually don't think about when you're just flipping a house or building one or two houses on a, on a lot, because usually that what you're building will not impact the infrastructure greatly. But when you're trying to do a bigger project, you do have to consider those things. So this talks about more 2017. Now redevelopment, remember that first neighborhood I I told y'all about, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the Heights? Now, see 2017, three years later, it's in the newspaper. They call in fifth ward, the new Heights. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's how it happens once they start that's renaming neighborhoods once i seen so bro yeah so bro you know what so bro is no nah, what's that south bronx oh south bronx yeah, yeah <laughs> south yeah. bronx that's, that, that was one of the most dangerous neighborhoods the poor one of the most poorest neighborhoods in the in america. one of the most dangerous neighborhoods in america it's still not the greatest but yeah it, when they started naming it so bro yeah. and they put like right. a
2: whole Foods and all yeah. of that in, it's like
1: all right Yep, yeah, same thing with Dumbledore. Say
2: that because the yeah. official name for that for that south in the fifth one now they're calling it North Eda, which is east of downtown. Yep. So yeah, that's another that. That.
1: that's another thing too. Once you start to see names, because it's like even yeah. um, um, Noha, I think it was um, North Man, North Manhattan, no, um, no, something. no,
0: no, that was um, Houston. You're talking about North Houston,
1: no, 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 no. they they had it, they 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 try to rename Harlem. Um, something where wow. like North Manhattan, no ho there, no, no. yeah, and um, <laughs> so once they start to get funny with those names like SoBro, no ho, mm-hmm.
2: that's
1: like the hipsters. They trying to they trying to rebrand yeah.
2: it. Yeah, they trying try to rebrand mean, the community. Mean, Do, those are part of the the, you, you talking about. Name has a stigma that the old name has a stigma, so they want to try to like you said rebrand it.
0: Yeah, so that, that's part of the announcement. So when you were talking about announcements, when you start seeing things like that, I saw somewhere and, and and you can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but they, they named uh, the fifth world, they have a cultural arts district.
2: Yes, yes. Now, now thankfully with this with this time, it was us doing that. So okay. the Fifth World Redevelopment Corporation did that cultural arts district. And it's it's gonna you're right, it's gonna be the first African-American cultural arts district in Houston.
0: Perfect, so, perfect.
2: Yeah, man. So that's what I'm saying. This neighborhood, they they've been staying ahead of, you know not not playing victim and being behind. They've been in front of the eight ball, so it's been really good. So th- this goes back to, th- this is the CEO recently in August, you know, amidst COVID, just saying that their project is still going forward, right? So this is that same block. This, mm-hmm. is, this, is, this, this is the same block that I showed y'all earlier. Um, that's what it looks like now.
4: And
0: that's your, that, that's your block. Those, those, that's your block, man. Block. We that. We, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. You pulled too. up on that.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, YouTube,
1: man. So, put, put, the, put the clap in the mode. I just want to, nah, you got to celebrate that, man, because yeah. I wish we could do it side by side. But that block that he brought earlier, you, yeah. um,
2: let me go back to
1: it. Yeah, can you go back to that? Yeah, that. that so that block, you brought that block,
2: yeah. and then how many years later? Uh, so 2014 and then 2019, 2018, when, when I first started building them. So 2019, they were, the, the first three were done. I think that's when I was on y'all show last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Done. And yeah. Uh, you know, people told me that they were like, man, nobody's gonna buy that. You know, nobody's gonna wanna live in the neighborhood. Um, you know, you're not gonna be able to get the prices that you're thinking you're gonna get for them. And uh, man, I mean, I proved everybody wrong. Uh, we got, I got I got full asking price. All the buyers look like me, everybody. I didn't have to oversell anybody. There's enough of us that see the value of moving back to our communities. Um, that, you know it, it, it it's worth it it's worth it's worth taking a shot it's worth uh rebuilding and bringing people back to the community man one of one of the most powerful experiences i had was when i was under construction um it was two two black kids walked down the street two boys they were like maybe 13 14 something like that and they're like man are you building rent houses and i'm like no i'm oh, he's, he's he's like uh he's like you work for the uh the person that's building these i'm like no i'm building them he's like oh, okay he's like who gonna buy these I was like, well, who do you think is going to buy them? He's like, well, they look like, it look like white people going to buy them. <laughs> and I was like, man, you know, you know, well, you'll be surprised. Like, man. No, there's people that look like you that can also afford these types of things. And I was like, I had two of them on the contract And I was like, so actually the first two buyers are people that come from a neighborhood just like you and went to college and, you know, they have good jobs now. And now they're coming back and buying this. And they were like, man, we didn't know that was possible. But, you know, that sounds, sounds kind of cliche. But there's, there's kids in that community that now have a positive re- representation. They can see people that look like them, that's our age, pulling out their driveways and Porsches and, and Audis and BMWs and look like them. That's a representation they didn't have before. The only representation they had of successful people was illegal entrepreneurs, you know?
4: <laughs> yeah. you
2: know. But that's all a part of buying the block, man. It's not just about you buying and you being an investor and just holding on to it. It's about creating opportunities like this as being in a development and building and, 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 and uh, enticing other people to come back to the community. So.
1: That's amazing.
2: Yeah. So fast forward, this is Fifth Ward now. You see all these prices over here, right? For $400,000 an hour. When I bought that first block, you couldn't, you couldn't sell a lot for $20,000. It would just sit. But now you have all this activity. Um, the yellow ones are pending, the, the, the green, the new listings. And there's a bunch of souls that are, that are in the community but $400,000, you know, um, and up. So this is one of, one of the articles that they, they put me in the paper for, just talking about my projects. This is not talking about the second project. Um, so let's go back to the highway story. Um, so this, this block right here is the second project. This is the 18 houses I was talking about with the two commercial buildings. This is that same freeway, once again, an infamous freeway. So, you know, we, we can continue to talk about these things and, and complain about them, or we can say, okay, we know this is there, we know this happened, now what are we gonna do about it, right? It's, it's our responsibility to fix the problem. So the, the owners of this, the landlords, um, they had, had this for about 20 years and they were, uh, they, were, they were ready to retire. So not all landlords pass property down, that's another myth. Uh, real estate is not generational wealth unless you have taught your kids how to do systems and they see that it's worthwhile for them to take over that same investment, that same vehicle. In this case, the kids did not wanna take over it. So the parents were told that they should sell it, okay? So, uh, and what would've happened if I didn't buy it because all that redevelopment, by the way, all those new townhomes, if you see my cursor up in the left corner, that's right there. That's all new construction right there. So had I not bought it, an investor outside the community would've bought it and they would've done a couple of things. They would've came in and, you know, did the deep renovations that, you know, and then raised the rents and if tenants can't afford it, oh well or they would have held it for a little while, decided to tear it down and build some new construction here. But for me, this was an opportunity to say, okay, on that other block, I bought that old abandoned grocery store in that site. I brought new construction in. Now I can show the other side of buying the block. We can buy the block and make sure we preserve the the, the, the lifestyles and the, the sense of normalcy that the residents have that have been here long-term. So the way you, you can do a project like this is since it's so close to redevelopment, it's so close to the catalyst that I talked about earlier, is that you can get your return on your investment through value appreciation, okay? Because this property value is going to go up significantly, so you don't have to worry so much about cash flow solely, where you have to raise the rent astronomically to get the return. This property value is going to double or triple, um, but you know, conservatively, conservatively, I'm saying it's going to go up 30 to 40 percent. But every other neighborhood that's been gentrified, lots that were worth 250, I mean, were, were 25,000 are now worth 250,000. So for this one, this is the one I actually got to do the crowdfund on. Um, so what I did with the crowdfund, I'll go back to this slide. Um, the crowdfund is once I negotiated with the sellers that, to, uh, to the purchase price, they wanted 1.5 million for the whole block. Uh, I negotiated them down to 1.25. So I, I negotiated them down oh, a quarter of a million. Um, and you know what happened was since they, they were sellers and you know they really didn't have accounting and all that kind of stuff, it, I told them. You know, even if you wanted to, uh, if you wanted me to pay 1.5 for it, I couldn't go to a bank and get a 1.5 million dollar valuation because you don't. You know, there's no accounting records to show what the true revenue is for the property. There's not a lot of sales in the community. So, um, you know, what I would like to do is get you to to you know come down a little bit off of that price um, and work with me over a few years. Let me establish the accounting records. Let me establish all these things, and then I can go back and refinance. And and then once the bank sees the the you know the records they can extract a true value for that entire block, and it'll be much easier for me to get them to give me six hundred and fifty thousand, which is half of the purchase price, than it would be for me to go and ask them for one point five million right now. And so that's the kind of conversations you have to have with sellers sometimes to, if you want to get creative. And they bought in, um, you know, so they owner financed it. They they wouldn't take ten percent, they wouldn't take twenty percent down. So <laughs> so they wanted something significant, so fifty percent. Um, so what I did with that was first, I secured a private investor that I knew that could back me um, on bringing the majority of that, that uh, down payment to, to closing if I couldn't raise it. But once I secured that, th- this is the opportunity that I decided it was OK to do a crowdfunding because crowdfunding, like I talked about earlier, um, it requires you to have all your your I's dotted and your T's crossed um, because you're going to take outside people's money. And so, with this, some of these residents in these houses have been living there for twenty years, literally. Um, there's there's mother daughters that live in separate houses on the property. There's niece and uncle that live next door to each other, um, and you know these are long term, stable tenants. Um, all all African American. Um, some of them, most of them, um, actually all of them, hardworking. I don't. There's no. There's really no Section Eight tenants here. These are people that are just hardworking, but on fixed incomes, right? Um, so uh, for that, that made a good base case for me. It's like, okay, there's long-term stable revenue coming from the residential side of this property. These two commercial buildings over here were vacant. So that gives me upside, right? So I can buy it, know I'm gonna have all this revenue, which is about 9,000, almost $10,000 a month coming from here. And then I can go in and renovate these two and bring in another seven, $8,000 a month in revenue on the commercial side. So that's what I did. So that's how I decided to package it up, and I decided to do a crowdfund, and um, you know I didn't know how successful the crowdfund was going to be, but it ended up being extremely successful. Uh, the most you can raise with this type of crowdfund, and it's SEC regulated, is a million and seventy thousand, and it took me seven months, and we hit that we hit that goal. So that gave us enough money to go in and renovate everything and pay off the the short term debt. Um, with, uh, with the bridge loan, because I did have to close on it in March, which was before I had raised the full 600,000. So I ended up using some of the private investors money, but not all of it. So this is what the properties looked like before. Again, the tenants had been there long-term, they were happy with it. So what I did was I just to reinforce that we were there to protect them and you know we were gonna be good landlords um, I went and I did some slight renovations to the property just to make them feel better. So this is what it looks like now. I came in, I did landscaping, I put screens on everybody's windows to help with their utility bills, um, and paint, repainted everything. Just made it look nice and neat. And you can see the bottom picture I actually repaved everything to give it a fresh new look. Uh, this is the status of one of the commercial buildings. So this mm-hmm. is going to be short-term peer space. So this is what it looked like before. It looked like it was almost tear down worthy, you know. But we, we took it back to the bones, and now this is what it looks like. This is what it looked like on the inside before. And so this is what it looks like now. Uh, what, this is what it looked like a couple of weeks ago the renovations, and this is closer. This is what it looks like now. So I'm almost done with it. Uh, you know, this is going to be, so it's, think Airbnb but for business uses, short-term business uses, um, event space or like office spaces, et cetera, et cetera. And then this is the other building. This is the building down here in the corner where we've got it gutted back uh, to the studs and we're getting ready to bring it back. It's probably gonna be an event space for now. And then we're probably gonna turn it into a coffee shop in a year or two. Um, we had coffee shop as the original concept because of COVID, I don't wanna take all that additional and additional capital and invest in something that may not uh, secure a tenant right away. So it's something like event spaces where you just, I'm just building it back out to basically what they call in commercial real estate, just a box, right? So white floors, white walls and lighting. open space so people can rent it and use it like that and we can generate revenue off of it uh, without having to have a significant investment so yeah man um and this is this is what you're talking about troy the cultural arts district yeah so so the whole street this whole street with fifth world community redevelopment corporation got disapproved to be a cultural arts district um so yeah so and this project this crowdfunded project is right here in the heart of it right off of the freeway so that's another upside for having ownership in this community because there's gonna be a lot of uh public money coming into the community now because it's a cultural arts district. So, yeah, man. So that's it. That's, that's what I got for you. That's incredible. Uh,
1: I asked, I asked Chris to put together a presentation. (laughs) I didn't know he was going to do a whole, (laughs) (laughs) that was, that was extremely impressive, man. I, I really, I really, 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 really appreciate that. That was, that was extremely, extremely impressive.
2: Well no, I, much appreciated, man. Much appreciated, man. And trust me, I can go hours on each one of those slides. So I, I tried to keep it short. <laughs> now you know what the thing
1: about it is, and we're gonna go into the best part of, of the whole situation when people get to ask questions and answer the questions, but um it's like you know, we're in a political season right now, and obviously everybody should go out there and vote for you know whatever you think is the right situation to, to do. But nobody's coming to save you either way.
2: Right. You can't, you can't rely sure. on
1: you can't rely on government programs. You can't rely on any type of, you know, opportunity zone, government assistance to help build. Like right. At the end of the day, human, human nature is self-preservation hmm. and people, people are um, tribal by nature and, and, and they look out for their own tribe. So it's unrealistic to expect anybody to come uh, better our situation as a community. This is why we have to do it ourselves. So when we just, you know, give you the whole blueprint about how he built how he's buying back the block in Houston, Texas, he's doing it like hook a yeah. crook. And the thing about it is like when he when he um he just laid out like two different things. Cause like the first one he did with just private money, the um The woman that had the the, the IRA, and then he put some money down. Then the second time he did the crowdfunding. So he's giving you multiple different, like on that first slide where it was like, you can do it yourself. You can do a bank finance and you could do crowdfunding. He's giving you different things and he actually did different things. And it's like, it's not like he's coming from, you know, millions of dollars and got a million dollar loan and bank loans and all that stuff. It's like, we can make excuses. we can we can get it done and we can um you know change the direction of our of our family and our legacy and Mm -hmm. that's what i really like about you Mm -hmm. is like you're not making excuses Mm -hmm. you're just out here just just doing it it. done man we're getting
0: done we ain't throwing the word legend around lightly man we're talking to a real legend and i'm glad you said opportunity zones because chris i heard you say something that i've never heard before Mm -hmm. and we kind of explained what opportunity zones were and shout out to our brother mg the mortgage guy we did a whole segment on that Mm -hmm. But you said they kind of really don't benefit us, obviously, because you have to have capital gains. But you said Mm -hmm. something very interesting. You said the process of moving your business into an opportunity zone could benefit us. Can you talk about Mm -hmm. that just a little bit?
2: Yeah. So. um, So the way it works is, um, well, I think you have to acquire a business outside of an opportunity zone or you have to have investors. Okay, let me let me back up. So, yeah. So if you personally acquire a business. Um, that's outside of an opportunity zone, and then you move it into an opportunity zone, you get the same tax benefits as uh, the people that are investing in real estate in those zones. Um, You can also have investors invest in a business for you to buy, and then you relocate into an opportunity zone, and those investors get those same tax benefits. Um, And like you said, opportunity zones aren't really made for us because you have to have capital gains. So the way that you that you you do benefit from it is you get investors to invest either in your real estate or your businesses, get those those folks that do have capital gains to invest in your businesses. And then while you you may get a small portion of the actual returns from the investment, you, you know, you uh, you have the ability to leverage all of their capital for whatever project you're trying to get done.
1: There you have it. So we're going to jump into it. Can you can you hang out with us a little bit longer? Yeah, definitely. Some definitely. question. All right. So we're going to answer questions. So before we do that, anybody that came on late, so what we're doing right now, if if you're wondering why we're doing like this special YouTube live, EYL University is a platform that we built and um, we do weekly webinars. We do this like we do classes like this every single week and every Wednesday at eight o'clock Eastern Standard. And the last Wednesday of the month, we open it up to the public. We put it on YouTube. So it's like an open house. Like, you know, we feel like the best way to kind of, you know, put the product on display is for people to walk through try Mm -hmm. it out right we have nothing to hide so um this is this is just what that is so and outside of this we do weekly classes we got the book club we got the movie club we got the facebook investment group we got bi-weekly real estate calls with mg the mortgage guy we got monthly financial planning calls with me so we're really trying to build this out and to be like like I, i keep saying phoenix university because that's what i think about when i think about like online universities i think like everybody's kind of heard of phoenix university Mm -hmm. but i'm like why can't eyl university be the flag bearer and the way education is going now is like education is the only thing that can save you Mm -hmm. because it's like you know you 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 trying to you know you you try to get a job and it's it's good luck right now right and it's like you know self-education as mickey fax said formal education can get you a portion self-education can make you a fortune. fortune You're not going to learn any of this stuff in any Ivy League school. Pick one. You're not going to learn any <laughs> of this stuff in any Ivy League school. That's just a fact. It's not my opinion. It's a fact. Um, and that has been told to us from hedge fund managers to VC capital um, firm owners, very high level intelligent people. They're like, yo, the information that you give, they're not teaching this in Stanford. Like not yeah. at this level where people can understand it for damn near free. So if you're interested, EYL University, like I said, this is an open house platform that we do once a month um and we're running a special promo code 40 percent off uh the price goes up in 24 hours so eight o'clock tomorrow but it's 300 like 300 340
0: yeah somebody just said that this class itself is worth the price yeah for the, for the whole for the whole entire year it's like
1: you know it's like that's you know, <laughs> a fact what can, you, what can you do with that? That's, that's like what a, I said. No, that's a few bottles of Ciroc. Like one bottle of Ciroc when, when every, you, you, yeah, in the club. In the club, for sure. That's a fact. <laughs> yeah. That's a fact. Ain't, so,
0: ain't no theories, ain't no gimmicks, man. We're giving it to and, you and, real live from real life people. Man. And there's
1: no code. Because before, a lot of people was asking about the code. It was an issue. So for 24 hours, we took the code off. But it's a special link. You can only use the link in the YouTube description or the link that's pinned in YouTube. So if you're watching it, that's the only way you can get that. It's not on the website. You got to go through that link. I'll put it in the the chat again. But yeah, let's go to my favorite part. So this is the, so the classes work like this, where the presenter comes on and they present PowerPoint presentation. And then afterwards, the public. EYL University members gets to ask them questions. And this is the my favorite part because this is like mentorship in a sense where it's like you watch a podcast and that's great. You get information, but people have questions. You try to DM these people, you know, it's hard for them to respond back. So this is the part that actually to me is even the best. People get a sense of this on Market Mondays, but that's just a sense. Like this is what we do every week where people ask questions and they actually get to engage with these high level educated people. So Let's, let's get to some, some, some questions, I'm going to go to Houston native. And shout out to Julian Gordon. That's our guy. Shout what, out? What, Ju- out? what up, what up, out to Julian? EYO professor, a legend in his own right. That's a fact, that's a
0: fact. Uh, I'm going to my boy, straight out of Houston. Darius, unmute yourself. You've been unmuted, bro. Hey,
5: what's going on, what's going on? I'm in the you, building.
1: Everything yeah, good, man, how you? What's, what's good with you, bro?
5: Man, I cannot complain, I cannot complain. Loving the fact that we that we uh went the gentrification and buying back the block route with this one. I was definitely happy to uh to hear and see see that post right there, man. Chris, how you doing?
2: I'm good, brother. How are you?
5: I can't complain, I can't complain at all. Um, I guess my question is is my question is not necessarily general, but as far as gentrification is concerned, um you spoke a little bit about identifying neighborhoods
4: mm-hmm.
5: or zip codes or uh, just specific areas that may be ready to go through gentrification. I'm in Houston. I'm, I'm, I'm downtown right now. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so like the Heights, I'm familiar with the Heights. Mm-hmm. I live near Humble. I'm familiar with Fifth Ward, Thir- Third Ward, all of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm driving through this stuff all day, every day. And I'm seeing exactly
6: what it is you've done. Yeah. I'm exactly
2: yeah. If you come from Humble, you see both of my projects from the freeway. <laughs> that,
5: that part. So I'm like, <laughs> right, right over here on Elgin, mm-hmm. 59 in Elgin, yeah. where we're coming from downtown over to Third Ward, like those properties that are right there alongside the freeway. Mm-hmm. I saw them when they was raggedy. I saw them when they knocked them down. I saw them when they pinned them up. Yep. So I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, so how do I go about identifying areas that are on the cusp or already in the process of the gentrification mm-hmm. and then as far as getting in on that, I like the way that you built that you built that out. So my question is is like you you still doing your thing in Houston, so is there an area that I can kind of just be like, okay, this is what Chris was talking about right here.
2: Man, uh, there's there's, there's tons of it. Right I mean, you you name some of them, that Elgin area, that's, that's third ward. Um, closer to TSU, you get That's opportunities. You go south towards Sunnyside outside of the medical center. They call it Sunnyside used to be the hood. They call it medical center South now. <laughs> um, Fifth Ward still has a ton of opportunity, man. It's just getting started. Like I said, that big project won't even be complete till 2023. So you got three or four neighborhoods right there, um, all along 59 that, uh, that'll be prime for you to uh, try to, try to get. And, in.
1: and can you talk about, um, you spoke about it briefly, but you spoke about on the podcast also city mm-hmm. development and urban planning websites.
2: Yeah, so every city every city has a planning and development department. Some of them call it urban planning. I think some of them, some of them call it planning and development. Um, but in that, in that uh, sector of the website, there's always their plans. They have five-year, 10-year, 20-year plans. Um, some of them we post in uh, the different variance requests that are coming up for different uh, developer projects. And so on that site, you can see where the city is trying to go with redevelopment, and you can see where the city is planning to reinvest in infrastructure over the next five years or 10 years. And so that can be a key indicator of where you should go as well, because especially if it's a city that's, that has the ability to get grant money, that type of thing, they're going to be enticing developers and other people to go in there to be that catalyst, like the big project I showed y'all. Um, and so once you see those types of things and then, it, then it's time for you to try to, you know, just get in the money flow of what's going on in that area.
1: Yeah, dope,
0: dope. Darius. Appreciate you, bro. Houston's own. Yo, you didn't know but I, I put Beyonce up there for Houston. Oh yeah. Oh, well, shout
1: out. <laughs> we got shout out a few, a few, a few of our loyal supporters in Houston, Texas, um, from the hip hop side. Toby Nigwigway. Yeah, that's our guy. He's that's 10. He's we, we had him. We had him on the on the show, and he's 10, and He's the hottest dude out right now. Yeah, I seen yeah. him
0: last night at the Hip Hop Awards. He did his thing. Lil Kiki. Yeah. Legend.
1: Legend came to our event. Came <laughs> to our event. In Ran came him at the airport. Jazz Prince. Reached that. out to me on Instagram. Shout out to J- shout out to the whole man. Prince family. We got a crazy yeah. story about the Prince family. Paul Wall. <laughs> Paul Wall ran into him at the airport. <laughs> yep. Yo, we, we coming to Houston, man. We coming. <laughs> don't forget Slim. Slim Thug. Slim yeah. Thug ran into him also. Shout out to Slim Thug. Yeah, we had a
0: crazy weekend. Shout out, there. Shout,
1: shout out to Matt Hatter. Yo, that was a crazy weekend. It was a crazy shout out to Matt Hatter. Shout out to Matt Hatter. So yeah, I just wanted to shout everybody in Houston. Out, shout man. out to
0: Mike Brown, alumni. Shout alumni. out to Mike Brown. Yeah, Mike, man. Mike, yeah. Shout out to Jazz too. Yeah, 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 yeah. From Lake
1: Chateau. That's
0: a yeah. fact, Jasmine. What up? What up? Uh, let's go to uh, I'm gonna mix your bass. Let me I hope I got that right. Unmute yourself. You've been unmuted. What's going on? Oh, we know there's no fridge. Already. Oh,
5: every time I say fridge, they jump <laughs> on. What's going
0: on? What's going on? Um,
1: yeah,
5: I just want to ask real quick when you did that crowdfunding, right? Mm-hmm. Um, was that with a promise of keeping the properties and renting them out or are you giving out dividends? How is that, how are they getting a return on their money? That's
7: and
2: a, what
3: platform is crowd
2: That's a great question. Yeah, so the, the platform I use is called buytheblock.com um, based out of Denver, Colorado. But yeah, so they are getting dividends. So they what I'm doing is I'm taking 40% of the net profit from the rents and I'm dividing that up and I'm sh- sh- sending that out uh, to everybody. And so just like getting a dividend, um, it'll be between like, 2 to 3%, like one5 to 3% of the investment amount. But, you know, you own Nike stock, you get a 1% dividend. Um, and so, you know, with this, you, you also get the share value appreciation because you're not just donating money, you're not lending money. You actually bought a piece of ownership of this property. So as the property value goes up, your share value goes up. And so that's where the real return is. And so w- the way I have the project uh, set up, it's supposed to be a seven-year project. So, um, you know, we bought it for one2 I'm um, projecting it'll be worth about 3 million in about seven years. And then so w- you have options to sell your shares and get out um, or we can refinance it and stay in. And basically everybody can still pull their initial capital out they initially invested. So that, that's how I got it structured.
0: So appreciate that. Appreciate uh,
2: Charretta, that. we coming to you. I hope I said your name right. Charretta, I hope. I...
0: Oh, she's ready? She to...
8: Yeah, you said it right. <laughs> Here, we Here we go. And you was
0: ready right when I pressed on you. Thank you. I, didn't I, was, I, was, I was ready to pounce. I was ready to pounce. Let's do it. <laughs>
8: Okay, so um, I just want to say I, I've been with UIO, you know, made about forty five days and yo, this is so worth the investment. <laughs> I can-
1: <laughs> uh, appreciate appreciate
6: you.
8: that. Uh, Chris, it's finally nice to see your face because I tell you, I'm kicking myself that I did not join when you guys had this out on bytheblock.com. Oh, oh
2: okay. <laughs> there'll be more. There'll be more coming. <laughs> more <laughs> to come.
8: And but I, I I love the the thought process. So um. One of the questions I really had was for someone like myself, I um, actually came across a property about three years ago in one of these up and coming neighborhoods. Um, I'm getting ready to actually build my first home. And one of my things is, you know, I'm kind of torn in the fact that, you know, it is, you know, developers are coming in that don't necessarily look like us. So what advice would you have for someone getting in the game that necessarily doesn't have the capitalization to go and buy the block um, and starting out with that one one piece here and there.
2: Yeah, definitely start wherever you can. Um, yeah, the developers are gonna come, like I said, you can't really stop them. Um, so, you know, uh, we, we, some of the other concepts we we'll talked about maybe like getting a small group of people together to, to co-invest with you. Um, you can maybe two or three people that may have some money sitting in an old uh, savings account, or old uh, 401k we talked about earlier. You can use that as your down payment, and maybe have another partner that has good credit. You know, if you're going to try to do something, um, I wouldn't say try to start with ground-up development or new new construction. I would suggest you try to buy some, you know, something that's in decent condition already. Mm-hmm. Um, even a, even a new building the right area, if the the uh, the construction and the redevelopment is happening quickly, uh, you can still you can still get equity in your home pretty quickly, whether it's an investment or it's your primary residence. Um, and what I also tell people too is like if you want to be an investor and you want to be a landlord, um, you got to think about if you're buying something that's existing, um, even if it passes inspection, right? The inspectors are only looking for things that are wrong. But if you got a house that's let's say it's 20 years old and they put a 20 year, well, they put a let's say they put a 30 year roof on it, you got a plan as a as as the owner of that property that to replace a roof in five or six years or 10 years max, right? This type right. of things people don't think about. Whereas if you buy a brand new property in a community like this, where the prop- the values are going up, you know, everything's new. So you have a longer a runway before you have to start investing in repairs. So just, th- just things to think about. And if you haven't, well, if you haven't used like your first time home buyer credit or anything like that, you can get into something with 3% down. And Even if you don't want to stay in it forever, just stay in it for a little while and then turn it into an investment property.
8: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Right, I appreciate it. Thanks.
2: A lot of game there. Yeah appreciate you appreciate
0: it first time homebuyers you say <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> and, 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 and and people they watching our journey like you know we did trucking because we did the trucks But shout out to alex so we just brought our first truck and um we're gonna be like showing people the journey into that so um watch what we're doing in um cleveland ohio yeah we got shout out to beyond Win, shout out to big business shout out to anybody in cleveland but Oh yeah, they but them. we might come to Houston. I'm thinking about Houston, bro. Like, Houston. I'm like,
0: yo bro, we got a lot of love out there. We, we yeah, I remember we, we was just in a random strip mall eating and they was just like, yo, we love you out here. I'm like, yo, you know us.
2: <laughs> we got to talk about the prices out there. I was about to say, man, I can't we, we can't compete with those prices up there though, man. Yeah, Cleveland, <laughs> Cleveland, <laughs> Ohio is, is different right now. <laughs> yeah,
0: we got an open invitation to Nashville as well. We might there's there's a, there's a couple of cities we might have to look at. Nashville, Tennessee.
1: Shout out to Nashville.
0: Let's see. Uh I haven't seen this thing before. Garth, we're coming to you. Garth, unmute yourself. You've been unmuted.
9: Hey guys, it's Garth. Um, Chris.
0: Garth, can you turn your volume up just a little bit? Well,
9: hold on. So, there you go. They was good. about to hit you with
0: the guidelines, bro. <laughs> I know. I know. I know was coming. I was rushing.
9: Fabulous presentation. Troy, Rashad, you know, fabulous job. Keep up the good work. Appreciate um, you. Chris, um, you know, the, the the stuff that you're doing there, I'm here thinking, I'm like, dude, we, we need to replicate this across the country. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, just clone you or you create disciples and just spread them across the U S and we just do our thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, that's, that's what I'm, I'm seeing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Julian down in uh, New Orleans, he's doing his thing down here as well. Yep. I'm saying we have all these resources, man. We need to pull this together. Troy and Rashad, you guys are the, um, the, uh, the link between, you know, to pull all this together, you know, yep. create a masterclass or something where we, we get everybody together and, Put, put something like this together where we, you know, we, rep- we this, this energy and just replicate it across the country and just put in different pockets across the country and just do our thing, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, like that's, I said- That's Shab- all I wanted
9: to say. But, um, <laughs> She, appreciate I, you, I,
1: I, I appreciate that. Shout out to Julian Gordon; he's doing something similar, um, in New Orleans, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, of course, we got yeah, Brandon Rule, who's one of the top real estate developers in, in the United States of America right now. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of, we got a lot of relationships with a lot of good people. MG, the mortgage guy, who's the number one real estate financing expert online. So mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. we can, maybe we can form a conglomerate. Yeah, superpowers, super pack.
0: Yeah,
1: EYO EYO C- super pack.
0: We coming to take over the neighborhood. <laughs> you. Yeah, definitely,
2: definitely. But yeah, my Garth, man, I appreciate the comment, man. That, but that's exactly where I'm doing it. That's why I'm being so transparent with everything because it's way too much for me to try to tackle on my own. And I, I'm not, I'm not the, the boastful, bragful, arrogant guy. I, I just want everybody on the same wave, man. It's, it was frustrating not seeing enough of us doing this. Yeah. So, and it's, he, man, it's funny. I would be in conversations with all of these intellectuals. These Ivy League graduates from our community and they would tell me why it wouldn't work. And eventually I was like, I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna show them that it can't work. You know, and, and I think that's what it takes for a lot of us just to get, get in there and start doing it.
0: They keep driving down that highway, they're gonna see what you're doing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's there. Right. Wanda, we are coming to you. Unmute yourself, you've been unmuted, what's up?
10: Hi, y'all. First of all, I love you. I love the show. I love the platform. I've told everybody in my organization of 1,200 people about this. Well, the Black
1: people. So, the black um, people. <laughs> we so, love everybody.
10: Um, <laughs> so I, I have this like pipe dream of building um, a thriving Black community. And I call it a pipe dream because I, I like the strategy that you're talking about in terms of going into an area that's on the verge of revitalization or gentrification. Mm -hmm. But I have a question about an area like Gary, Indiana, where, and I'm from New York, I don't know anything about Gary, it came to me in a dream. Um, So Gary, um, there was white flight and then black flight in the 50s and 60s, Um, industry left the place. And right now it's virtually abandoned over the past 40 years, Mm -hmm. but slowly but surely, like I heard that there's a hotel coming to the beach area and there's an um, investment in uh, building a new school. So my question is, what do you think about going into an area that is not even quite on the verge of revitalization um, and buying the block there and maybe uh, networking with other real estate investors who are black and trying to lure people from Chicago who are 30 minutes away. A lot of them left Gary to go to Chicago. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that as a strategy? Is it really a pipe dream? Should I move forward or should I look for a place that is already um, gentrifying or revitalizing right now?
2: That's definitely a a risk tolerance question, okay? Because you don't know how long it's gonna take for that to take off. If you can invest in it and hold it long enough where it's not, if you got money, that's not gonna hurt you to invest in the property and just let it sit there and wait for that to happen, then that's, that's okay. But if you're expecting a quick return on whatever you're about to do, I would say go somewhere where the bet is more sure, you know, where, you ha- where you have a more solid opportunity to get into whatever you're gonna do, make some money and continue to expand. Um, I think that happens a lot of times people buy property in the wrong neighborhoods and the values don't appreciate. Sometimes the values are stagnant or even go down and you end up losing money if you look at inflation and everything else and your cost of like taxes and insurance and all that kind of stuff. So you gotta be really, really strategic with that. Um, I-, I-, I personally wouldn't suggest it but if you have the capital to do it, then, you know, it's just, it's, it won't hurt. we try.
1: Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank
2: you, Wanda. I th- appreciate I think
1: y'all. Appreciate you. I think that's a question a lot of people have, like coming from New York or whatever. It's like or LA where it's, it's just the real estate is crazy and they want to go to these different towns. But it's like, you don't know anybody. And the reason why I said Cleveland, Ohio, is that we really built a strong relationship with Beyond Win. Shout mm-hmm. out to him. Just a real solid dude. And, um, you know, that's somebody that we trust And it's like, you know, even Maurice Mm Clorette, a good friend of mine um, who's out in Columbus, Ohio. So, you know, I really know, like these people are actually they live out there. They You know, so I'm not going to go to anybody's turf and try to do the Christopher Columbus thing and just take over.
2: And you know what? That is a great point, because like those like we're beyond them are there. There is a strong rental market there and there's not enough housing. So. If if that if that's the business case that you're looking at, then you still it still makes sense because you can buy the chop the property really really inexpensively, and still have positive cash flow and make great returns. Really,
0: I'll tell you another great place to find people that are from other places inside the, our investment group. I'm telling you, like every time that somebody posts, like yo, hey, I live in Houston. Is there anybody that is a developer in Houston? It's a great resource. Yo, is there anybody in Cleveland? Every day I see it, like somebody from another part of the country is like yo, anybody here in this area? It's a great way to network and a great way to resource and, and, and come together, right? If I'm not from Gary, I'm guaranteeing out of the 5,000, almost 6,000 people, somebody knows the area.
1: And and Matt, Matt was doing, he's going to bring it back, but he was doing uh, um, city, right? each city. Yep. So he did like the real estate updates for the Bay Area, the real estate updates for Houston, the real estate updates for Philly. Philly yep. Those are good resources too, because it's yep. like now that's specific for that area. So even if you don't live in Philly, but you're interested in Philadelphia real estate, you can network. It's all about networking. That was mm-hmm. my whole point is that it's just about networking. And I feel like, um, you know, a lot of times what's stopping us is the relationships. And that's another thing that we built, um, with the university is just relationships, but just in general just in life, like you might have a family member, you may have a cousin, you might have to, you know, you, you never know who you're going to meet or, or get introduced to, but relationships can take you a long, long way. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't have the relationships, you might not be able to execute. So mm-hmm. It's relationships are extremely, extremely important, in my opinion.
0: Uh, Bianca, we coming to you. Unmute yourself. You've been unmuted. What's up?
8: Hi. How you doing?
0: I love how fast y'all respond. Great. Everything's great.
8: I just didn't expect that to happen.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
8: <laughs> so my question is probably very similar to one of the first questions, but I never get to get on, so I'm just going to say it. <laughs> um, so just about the Opportunity Zones. So I'm from Augusta, Georgia and I moved to Minneapolis five years ago and I noticed North Minneapolis is like one of the most undeveloped, neglected places in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. But I just read something today about the city planning to put a concert venue up there. They, they're getting like millions of dollars. Would you consider this like a opportunity zone?
2: Well, so an opportunity zone is actually a, a government designation for specific okay. neighborhoods. Okay. that have like a specific low-income demographic um, or like, and they have like usually issues like food deserts where there's no grocery stores and those types of things. Mm-hmm. And so those zones were created um, to, uh, to kind of pinpoint areas where the government wanted these high net worth people or people that have capital gains to invest and park their money for uh, up to 10 years to in, in, in exchange for getting a tax abatement, basically a tax deferment. And like whatever, whatever they buy over the 10 years, they uh, they, they actually can uh, ex- like sell it at the end and not pay any taxes on that at all. Um, so I'm not sure if that you'd have to you, you can really just Google opportunity zone map and it'll tell you if that area is an opportunity zone or not. Okay. And then um, it sounds like something that, that may be a catalyst for other development to come around it. So I would definitely I, w- I would stay tuned to see what's going on. Um, if you know any realtors, anybody that may be in that, that may know that market, I would say you suggest, you suggest you talk to them to see if they know of any realtors that represent builders and new construction, um, that, because if those builders are looking at area that tells you that things are, are about to pick up.
4: Okay. Thank um, you.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, what? I just thought about something um, we're going to do Janet. Hopefully you can uh, help us out with this. (laughs) Um, we have almost four thousand members in our in our um, private realist, our private investment group on uh, Facebook. So we should we could um we can set up um, geographical groups like we can have a New York group, we can have an LA group, mm-hmm. we can have affiliate like that. Mean mm-hmm. so that way people yeah. um can they can identify themselves by like where they actually live, mm-hmm. and like I say, even if you don't live, so even if you live in New York, what you might be interested in Houston real estate. If there's 300 people from Houston in a Houston group, now you can network with them. And that gives you 300 people that you can actually, you know, reach out to and build with. So we're going to get that done. Janet, you heard that. Janet, thank you in advance. (laughs) I guarantee by seven o'clock, I'm going to have
0: 14 text messages. Shotty said, (laughs) Shotty said it. (laughs) I appreciate that. Oh, man. Let's go to a new name. Oh, Whitney. I haven't seen this name before. Whitney, what's going on? Unmute yourself. You've been unmuted.
11: Hey guys, uh, thanks for this uh, this awesome information. I appreciate I appreciate everything that EYL is bringing to the table. And I'm a newbie. I've only been a member about uh, about a month or so, um, but I'm really happy to be here. Welcome to the fam. I appreciate that, bro. Um, I got a message for Chris. Um, I uh, serve on the political side and the community side uh, for a lot of uh, housing agencies or community redevelopment uh, boards and economic development boards and I do that, as I said, in the, uh, actually put my question in the thing, um, just so I can be at the table and hear about deals that are coming down mm-hmm. and actually bring it back to our community. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get a lot of pushback from our community because mostly I think because they just, they, they see that their communities are being changed and, mm-hmm. and they feel helpless to get involved, mm-hmm. um, or helpless to do anything about it because they don't have the financial wherewithal to do anything. Mm-hmm. What, um, What are some strategies that you've used or that you've seen used that actually uh, help to engage local communities, particularly our community, Black people, um, and bring them along through this process?
2: Man, you know it's it's tough. I mean, I I, thankfully the projects that I have, they kind of see something different. They see that I'm not displacing people. But for the for the a lot of times people are are just adverse to change, right? Um, So I think the best thing that you could do probably would be to bring in a group of uh, investors, if you know a group of investors or developers that may be of the right mindset and have them come and talk to the community. And you know, if, you, if you know where the projects are going and you know what's coming, put, the, put that group in front of the projects and let them you know, be, uh, interface with the community, and kind of bring some of the, the amenities and services that the community may be looking for or explain to them why it's not the right time for certain things. Like, you know, a lot of the communities, like, like I said, they will want the grocery store now and they'll want this and that now, but they don't want the new housing, you know, they don't, and you have to explain to them, well, this is why you need that. This is why you need uh, some people that look like you in the community that earn more money so that it can be attractive for Starbucks or it can be attractive for the grocery store to come back. Um, so a lot of it is just open communication um, but th- there is no cookie cutter answer, man. You, you're never going to get everybody on board, unfortunately. But I mean, you know, you can kind of turn the tide a little bit by doing some of those things.
11: True, true. I appreciate that, guys. Thank you very much. We appreciate you.
0: Oh, here we go. My guys here. Arthur. All rise. King Arthur, you've been unmuted.
3: <laughs> peace, peace. What's good, fellas? What's going, What's going on, on, bro? Slow motion. How y'all doing?
0: Yeah, we good, man. We good.
3: Yeah. No doubt. Hey, uh, Chris, man, definitely a big fan. I'm, I'm actually an investor in the, uh, in the Lions Avenue project.
2: Love it. I love it.
3: Yeah. yeah I, I, um, when, I uh, actually right, right before, right as COVID hit, I got, I got into the, uh, project and I joined EYL. That was kind of how I split the bread up for. it, So
2: <laughs> <laughs> getting on all cylinders, huh? <laughs> exactly.
3: That, definitely, uh, looking forward. Uh, definitely, a big fan. Been following the Mod project as well. Congrats on that. Thank you. Um. As we talk about building the community, um, one, one of the uh, things that you mentioned uh, with, the, with the project that you said, you know, most none of those houses were like Section 8 houses and stuff like that. Those are all pretty much working class individuals.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: That being said, Section 8 is like one of the largest subsidies our community gets, like mm-hmm. literally it's about eight billion dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And the majority of that money goes to Black women, as we know, who are generally the head of households for those mm-hmm. communities. Mm-hmm. And so as you're building your plans and as, you know, you speak on others and how they should expand, um, how do you view or what ways do you think that we have to actually include that so we don't walk away literally from $8 billion a year that now is going to mm-hmm other people who own that affordable housing to a certain degree because our own people are scared or don't want to deal mm-hmm. with those section 8 housing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, number one, let me, let me point out the reason why I, I pointed that out earlier is for the opposite reason, right? Because we all we automatically assume everybody in these neighborhoods is all um strictly on government assistance, but there are some people that are just hardworking that you know on fixed incomes. Now as far as the, you know, the, the single women, especially, or anybody that's on Section 8, um, I think that with the right landlords in place, and uh, I think it can actually be a better system because, you know, if we are the ones controlling the real estate and own the real estate, and those are our tenants, then we'll, we'll probably look out for them a little bit more than somebody else that's, you know, living across the country or living in, an, in another neighborhood that doesn't really care about the community. Um, but most importantly, when you talk about a way to uh, leverage home ownership that we don't really talk about, um, those, those vouchers can be used for mortgage payments, just like they can be used for Absolutely. rent. So educating more of the people in our community about how to get their credit together to get uh, in, into a first time home buyers program and get a uh, down payment assistance grant, and then convert that same voucher over to something that can help pay the mortgage. We can create more home ownership in the community using that same tool.
3: So, so, um, so in a way for those, for those who are looking how to replicate what you're doing on a smaller scale, one of the things they can do is look to take advantage of those government programs and Mm -hmm. using their own home buying, i.e. Matt's home buyers, home buyers, uh, (laughs) of course, you know, using those types of things in their own personal lives to, to, to kind of replicate on a micro scale what you're doing at the macro level.
2: Definitely, definitely. And that's actually a way for people that have existing rental portfolios if they want to get out of them. A lot of people are converting over to owner finance. So, um, so basically, the same tenant stays in the property, but now they're they are buying the property, so now they're responsible for the insurance and the taxes and all those things. So, if you have a Section Eight tenant and there's a house that you don't want to get, you know, you, you may not want to keep in your portfolio, you could actually sell it to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and create a homeowner out of one of your tenants, especially if they've been loyal, long-term tenants. You know, um, it's it's a, it's a million ways to uh, to, be, to make that program benefit us more. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you, Arthur. Arthur
1: one one last—I just want to ask you a question because you're one of our most prestigious <laughs> students at EYL University. And you always tap into every single thing we, we got going. Uh, how how has your experience been with EYL University?
3: It's been it's been fabulous, man. It's been fabulous. I, I listen. I went to a prestigious all boys prep school in high school, Avon Old Farms. Um, I could have went to all, most of them, the Ivy Leagues. I ended up going to George Washington University you know what i mean that's
1: very prestigious school yeah.
3: absolutely you know what i mean um however in terms of the actual practical knowledge that i learned outside of me just working and doing the things that i did in my career i would say this has definitely been one of the most comprehensive uh, uh education platforms that i've ever been a part of you know what i mean you guys brought me to chris you guys brought me to matt uh you brought me to beyond you know what i mean um Wow. And so, in terms of actually executing and getting things done, there's, 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 there's nothing better. You know what I mean? I was an econ major, I was a finance major, all of that stuff. And it, it doesn't come close to the practical knowledge. All of that stuff that they're going to teach you in the schools, you can go Google that. But this know how, this get it done, this, this, this. This uh, you know, get the seller financing and transfer that into into a private investor for on. the IRA and then transfer talk that to into talk to get them, getting it done. But you they're not gonna teach you that at Harvard or nowhere else. At Harvard, they're gonna teach you the exact opposite of what Chris is teaching. They're gonna teach you how to ultimately rape your community. Chris is gonna teach you how to get it done and get the bag. So I appreciate you fellas for it. I'll always participate, I'll always speak highly. And you know, I uh, appreciate you guys
1: for always letting me rock.
0: Appreciate King you, King Arthur. Appreciate man. that, brother. Most prestigious. <laughs> Arthur,
1: man, he's extremely, extremely intelligent guy. Man, he used oh, to be a market, man. used to be a market maker on Wall Street. Whew. Wow,
0: that's our guy. Yeah, so that this means a, this that is means... another one of our of our dudes, man. Pac, what's going on? Unmute yourself. Oh, Yo, what's going on? Yo, we uh, missed you Sunday, bro.
1: Man, it's, I was struggling with that. That's <laughs> <It's> all good. <laughs> I mean, I'm no happy you here now. <laughs> No, I'm making sure I'm coming back. I was like, I ain't never missing another, another episode ever. <laughs> it's like, but, um, yeah, no. Um,
0: Thanks for all the information, Chris. I just have just one, you know, short
1: question. Mm-hmm. Throughout the whole process that you've done, what would you think is, like, the hardest uh, step that you had to take, like, before you got to where you're at right now?
2: Man, I would say every every step is, has its own challenges. Um, I would say... The most, the most difficult things I had going was when I was trying to um, figure things out on my own and not find somebody that was an expert at what I was trying to get done and, and putting them in place to do something to, to help me out. So, I mean, that that's really been the biggest thing, man. Um, I would say with the, the new construction project, like the roadblock with the infrastructure was pretty tough um, and having to negotiate with the city to figure out, you know, a, a solution for that. Um, and let me think on the, on the crowdfund side, I think the, the hardest part was getting the deal done on the front and just negotiating with the sellers and making them understand, you know, why I needed them to come down on price and why I needed them to sell their finance to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, every everything, every deal you do, you're going to have a different challenge. So just be prepared for that.
1: Appreciate you, Pac. Shout
2: Appreciate out to Chicago, man.
1: Chris, can we get like 10 more minutes of your time?
2: Yeah, yeah, let's go. Uh, yeah, let's- somebody on
1: YouTube, shout out to yes to real estate. They 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 uh, sent a couple of messages you read that message
2: no i know andre though
1: no. yes okay listen. okay yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah he said it's andre uh yes we're, we're breaking ground on our four townhouse in fifth ward yep. in two months we're three blocks from you so yeah yeah taking right? over
0: the whole taking over the whole neighborhood i love it definitely, i love it definitely
2: definitely
0: melissa what's going
1: on you've been unmuted
8: hi how are you guys
0: Everything's good. Good. How are you?
8: Thank you so much for having this open forum. It's been very informative. I got on a little late, but I will rewatch. I did want to ask Christopher a question about um, buying back Harlem. And what do you mm-hmm. suggest? I'm born and raised here. I've been approached with a lot of negativity in, trying, in terms of trying to open up a business. However, a lot of businesses have closed due to COVID. And I just kind of wanted to know a way on how to approach that.
2: Wow, that's a very, there, there's a lot of variables in that equation, right? Because um, number one, the type of business you, you're going to want to start. Um, and then when you see a bunch of businesses closing, don't think it's for no reason. You know, they, they're closing because they, they, they tried to stay open and they couldn't. Now, I mean, of course, that is going to open a new wave of opportunity on the backside. Um, but I, I'm not really familiar with the, Har- the Harlem market or like the price points there. So I wouldn't want to give you any bad advice. It's, it's not mm-hmm. a, a blanket across the board. Um, so I would say I um, maybe do what I would do in any situation is find local experts that are, are doing what you're trying to do. Um, okay. Maybe talk to a commercial broker that uh, has clients that have bought businesses or or rented spaces to start businesses and have closed those businesses and find out what challenges their clients had and then figure out you know your next move so uh yeah don't don't go into it blindly don't don't go into it uh trying to figure it out on your own for sure i'm a, i'm gonna be honest and it's
1: like you know we live in new york we've been in new york our entire lives our whole family has been in new york their entire lives pretty much and you know i was always really pro new york i still am <laughs> you know do i'm, I'm pro new york nah, you know, but the more i travel i've been traveling a lot lately and um
0: don't do, it. Don't, do it. Don't, do it. don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I ain't gonna let you do it. Don't do it.
1: <laughs> no, nah, the one thing that Donald Trump said is like, I don't know if the city's ever really going to fully recover. Okay. And it's so much regulation. It's so much red tape. It's so much hassle. The prices are through the roof in every neighborhood. It's just really, you know, for me, I'm like, you go to places like Atlanta, you just travel around and it's, um, I don't know, man. New York city is, uh, it's vastly <laughs> it's becoming, it's vastly becoming overrated. It hurts my heart to say that. It really hurts my heart to say that. But it's, it's, it's. I think it's. I think it's true. I, I'm.
0: I appreciate that you said that. It, it's. 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 It's challenging times for our city, man. But hopefully we'll recover. Hopefully, maybe not. <laughs> maybe, not. <laughs> maybe not. I'm just. I, I'm just optimistic. I'm gonna be optimistic about it. Uh, Head to Atlanta. <laughs> uh, Jerome. Jerome, unmute yourself. You've been unmuted. What's going on?
7: Yo, what up? What up? What up, man? What's going on? Um, I guess my question is branched off of some of the things that have been answered already. But um, Chris, you talked about earlier in your slides. Um, well, first of all, you know, buying back the block. You always, when you come from, you know, lower income black neighborhoods, that's always the dream. You and your homeboys, like, yo, you know, what I mean, I'm gonna buy back the block. I'm buy this. Mm-hmm. Well. I guess in my case, I got I got some of my homeboys, we all kind of got a financial background of some sorts, um, but we new to this. And I know you said that don't all come in as rookies, as novice. Um, so I guess my question is, where would you start to find someone who understands these contracts where you like, yo, you know what I mean? I'm gonna I'm a put down this amount, but you could become a partner or, you know, like I'm a seller finance or how, how do I find outside of just networking, because I know um, Troy and Rashad was like they found somebody in Cleveland that they can trust. Mm So one is trust. And two, do you go look? I mean, do you look for a professional? I guess this is a, a, a big question, but do you look for a professional? How do you find somebody to join your group that not only you trust, but has that knowledge of not just book knowledge, but knowledge to say, all right, when this happens, this, you know, this, this, like I, that's I guess that's my question. If that makes any sense.
2: So wh- where where are
7: you located? Um, so I'm located in Virginia right now. I live in Northern Virginia, but I'm from Southern Virginia, Hampton. Uh, like in the Hampton University area. If you know, if you're familiar with that, Norfolk State, uh, some HBCUs in the area. Um, but it's a lot of areas, black areas, Newport News, Norfolk, Portsmouth, um, that are on the verge of. I would say gentrification but they're not quite there yet and we're trying to get active in the market but you know we don't have that that, that 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 game that real game not just open up a book game but like you said you you know all the ins and outs and, and we're just trying to look for something like that.
2: Man, so I would say once again just uh trying to find local mentors um and not nece- not nece- not necessarily somebody to invest with you but maybe you have to just pay somebody for the knowledge for the time um you know, just to get into it. But, you know, um, I got a platform called learnfromchris.com. You can go in there and it'll give you a lot of the basic information. And then it'll that'll, that'll put you in a position if you want to go talk to somebody locally, because sometimes uh, active investors don't want to deal with people that they can tell are completely green, you know. Um, so if you can go in there and get yourself acclimated to some things, go to YouTube. Um, there's a lot of stuff on there. Um, and I, I, I'm not trying to be cliche, but I'm just saying, like, Try to get yourself as educated as possible, so that when you get in front of these people, you can have a, an intelligent conversation with them about what you're trying to do. Um, and man, Virginia has a lot, a lot of investors. I mean, you could between Instagram. I know, I know several between Instagram and Facebook that uh, might be able to help you. You can also look up local meetups. You know, just type in whatever nearest big city to you and investment meetups, and that'll bring you to some some groups that may have somebody's willing to work with you. But man, networking uh, between social media um platforms like earn your leisure and um and uh yeah just the, the, the facebook groups um man I, i'm pretty sure you can find somebody if you, if you, if you all are looking and being like there. i chris, said we're going,
1: we going we going we going through that on our facebook group i think that's yeah. a good yeah. idea yeah
0: chris i'm gonna I'm take a quote and jerome you can you can use this quote and apply it man i took this right from your page i was like this is dope yeah. you said there's three things you need to be successful the knowledge the opportunity and the money one you can control the two you gotta go find. that's it <laughs> so take that with you jerome Knowledge, opportunity, and money. One, you control. Two, you got to go find my man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Appreciate you. For
1: sure. When you see me running through Atlanta <laughs> in LA, Los Angeles, A-L-B. Houston, <laughs> Texas, and these things, LA too, it's a great cloud over New York right now. <laughs> I seen B Rule put your Atlanta headquarters <laughs> oh, on the way. EY Atlanta headquarters is That's, already, it's yeah, already we, up and running. Yeah, but We, we already we, said that. We're, we're revamping it. We, we,
0: yeah, we, we got, Be Rule, we got to meet up somewhere, man. I, I know you're in D.C., but when we're in Atlanta, you got to come come
9: check us out. Bro. Shout out to D.C., man. Guy.
1: Shout out to PG County. Shout. Out, the earth is big, though. That's why I you know. Shout out to New York. We, it's New York forever. But I, I just say that halfway joking, only halfway. But um, the earth is big, though. We we can't just be stuck in our neighborhoods. It's like if something uh-huh. is too out of expensive or something, is just, you know, never be afraid to, to expand. Like, you know, this is this is this is the large earth that we live in even out of the country, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's no, there's no limits to anything that we do in, in life. And we put, we put geographic limits on ourselves because where we're from and the neighborhoods that we grew up in and our family. But you never know. You might be pleasantly surprised when you yeah. start to travel and you, you, you see different areas and there's different opportunities and there's different cultures and different people and they have different dialects. So, um, you yeah. know, me, I love to travel. Troy, yeah. Troy gonna be
0: here forever, but- yeah, I love New York. But a, <laughs> a wise man told me this, man. He said this to us the other day. He said, go where you're celebrated. That's a fact too. Go where you're celebrated, man. I was like, ooh, ooh. Well, we always
1: gonna be celebrated in New York, Brooklyn. Shout out to Shout BK. To BK. Go where you
0: celebrate. I was like, that's powerful. Natalie, what's up? Unmute yourself, you've been unmuted. They've been on point. has been on point today. Oh, Natalie, right when I say that. All right, you know how this works. Ain't no fridge breaks. So <laughs> Natalie, we gotta move on. We gotta move on. Uh, let's go to Samantha. Samantha, we unmuting you. Unmute yourself. Hello. There we go. Let's keep this thing rolling, Samantha. Thank you.
8: I got picked. Yeah, <laughs> That okay, <I> was you. <laughs> um, so, good evening, everyone. Good evening. Shout out to the earners and my cousins that are listening. I sent this to them. Um, we have started our own investment group. Um, our overall goal, or one of our overall goals, would be to do this in Jamaica, because our family's from there. Our parents are from St. Anne and but you know we have to start small.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm okay. with that. Shout out to
11: Jamaica. Um,
8: so um my question is how did you structure uh the business? Did you do it on your own and then do like a joint venture with other people or did you all create your own business? How did that work?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So each project I do has its own individual entity, so it's own individual LLC. And that LLC owns the project. And so there's several ways you can structure it from there. Um, It depends on who is playing what role. So if you're bringing on other investors, some of them may wanna be a member of your LLC. Some of them want to joint venture where your two LLCs work together. Uh, Some of of them may want, if they just wanna be passive investors, you may have to structure something where they are um, in a limited partnership with you, where you are the general partner that makes decisions and they are like a passive limited partner that may get the first returns out of the deal. Um, So it varies greatly. It really depends on the scope of the project you're trying to do. Um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with all y'all just putting together and doing one LLC, if that's what you want for the first project. Um, uh, Of course, this is this is not legal advice. You always should uh, seek legal counsel. But yeah, so like I said, each project I do is different. Structure a little different. No, that was that was that was
1: a great question,
0: Samantha. Appreciate you.
1: Let's go to one more. Let's go to one more.
0: So, and uh, I see that uh, Shannon is telling you to contact her. So here's Shannon up. She, she's in the, in the chat. Here's Shannon up. Shout out to Shannon.
1: Let's get one more. One more uh let's question. see.
0: Let's see. This is a we haven't seen this name before. We haven't seen this name before, Ashley. We coming to you, Ashley. What's going on? I yourself. You've been unmuted.
6: What? Okay, sorry. I <laughs> I'm so excited because i not my supposed dad, to hear that part. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I appreciate y'all for for uh allowing me to speak and ask questions. Chris, I want to thank you for what you're doing for the city of Houston. Um, I'm originally from Houston. My dad was born and raised in Fifth Ward. Wow. Uh, he yeah. was great a really special place in my heart. My major was urban planning. I went to Brown University. I'm a little nervous, I'm sorry. Went (laughs) to Brown University, studied urban planning, came back home and was like, man, I see this happening. Like, I could tell all the things that you've been talking about um, when you see stuff like um, infrastructure coming into place, like Mm -hmm. you said, sidewalks, Mm -hmm. uh, even down to um, bus buses or light rails coming into a community that were never there before that's another marker and I just started seeing this like man when are we gonna all get on the same page and to see you do I moved away from Houston Mm -hmm. unfortunately I didn't have the opportunity to invest I mean I will now (laughs) and I have the tools and I've been learning these last few years but I left Houston because a lot of people weren't willing to give me the opportunity to work in urban planning and real real estate development because I didn't have the experience I just had the knowledge Mm -hmm. and I came to LA and I come back to Houston and I just see it like every month I've been coming back for the last three months and like it's happening like I've been telling people and you know Paul Revere and it like hey (laughs) gentrification is coming (laughs) like you know these people are moving in here with you know their privilege but they don't have, you know, the roots here. They're there for the mm-hmm. capitalist opportunities. Mm-hmm. And my one reason why I raised my hand, had no idea they were going to call on me, but I wanted to thank you um, personally. Um, even if it's via Zoom, I, I appreciate what you're doing and sparking um, the, the even the thought, because unfortunately a reason why I moved from Houston too is a lot of people, we're so driven on being corporate, corporate, corporate only. Mm-hmm. And we see something like COVID happening where the rug is pulled out from everybody. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, either you had that mindset of pivoting or now you're fumbling to, to get there. And the platform like EYL is helping, you know, people all over the globe to, to really learn how to pivot. Um, and I appreciate you guys. I'm, I'm an earn. I've been an earnest since March. Oh. And I've been telling people like, hey, you you need to get what I mean, I appreciate y'all putting it on YouTube, but getting in the community is totally different. Like you mentioned, when you talk to a stranger and they're believing in you and, and giving you resources, you have to be able to tap into that. It's so different. Different. I don't mind paying what was due. I mean, luckily, I did it early. So, you know, you always reward the people that adopt early. And I appreciate you guys. But. You know, it's still valuable at the price that it is now, mm-hmm. Chris. I, I I will ask. Um, as it, I'll get to my question. I'm sorry for. <laughs> I'm trying Man, to. I'm like, trying to get it all
0: They like go, Ashley. Go. You got. <laughs> <it."> <laughs>
6: Thank y'all. Um, but being in another city, do you think it's feasible? Um, I I because I have some of the knowledge I have, I see it in. This is happening in every city in the country, you guys. So wherever you are, you you can tap in. Um, but do you feel it's possible to be an investor from long distance, or do you feel like you need to be um, in that specific city? I, I mean, LA is prices are going down because so many people moved, so the demand is not there. But um, you know, say for instance, like a Arizona or Nevada. I don't live there. But I can tell that those city, the cities there are going to be moving into a, a, a redevelopment phase soon. So what is your advice on that?
2: You can definitely invest anywhere in the country. I mean, um, it's all about having a team in place, right? It's no different than investing in a stock, but you don't know where the headquarters is. You don't know where the CEO is. Or you don't know where the factory is. Um, you just have to have the right systems and the right team around you. So whatever city you're going to, you're going to need a good realtor, a good property manager, a good uh, contractor. And somebody that can manage them, you know, um, and or you have to have good open communication with them or, you know, local investors that you partner with. That's probably the easiest way to get into a new market um, instead of trying to do it on your own. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely possible. I know I know some friends that only invest out of town. They don't even invest in the city they live in. So it's definitely uh, practical. Appreciate
1: you. Appreciate you. Appreciate you your Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris, they said that you look tired, man. <laughs> I look tired. <laughs> Hustlers don't sleep, man. Hustlers don't sleep, Yo, I'm
0: telling you, they be on. They say, Troy, you suspended all guidelines for tonight. Oh, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Nah. I, I got to get used to Wednesdays.
1: <laughs> nah, Chris, man, I really, 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 really appreciate it. We're going to go into some more stuff with, with Chris. But before before we wrap, I want to give Chris the last word. But before we finish, um, once again, for anybody that just joined at this point in time, this was just a um, you know, open house of what we do once a month for EYL University. If you're interested in joining EYL University, we have a Facebook group. We have a book club, movie club. We do bi-weekly real estate calls with MG the mortgage guy. We do we do these type of classes every single week, every Wednesday. And there's archives, like over 75 archive classes. So as soon as you join, you have access to all of that stuff mm-hmm. and everything from disability insurance to how to buy a car to Whole, um real estate wholesaling everything yeah. um
0: new orientation for new earners we got accountability what, triads what, what date
1: is the orientation
0: i think it's going to be november 14th if i'm not mistaken i could be yep november 14th, yeah, november at, one 14th, 14th at one o'clock we have orientation. Well, tw- she just said the 21st. the 21st november
1: 21st we have orientation we're treating this like a, it's, it's a real university so yeah. like you know when you go to school and um you have freshman orientation mm-hmm. so you know we have a lot of different spots we got our, we got our um, facebook group we got the website so it might be kind of hard for people to navigate so we got orientation on the 21st and um yeah man this is this is definitely going to be the biggest the biggest educational platform in in existence and um 24 hours and 24 hours the price goes up so if you're interested in joining the link is in only the link the only discount link is um in youtube because uh we didn't want to do a code cuz there's issues with the code so Just hit the hit the link in YouTube. It's pinned. I'll put it in the comment section again. And um, yeah, man, if you're interested in joining, it's only up from here. It's only up from here. But Chris, I want to give you the final word because, I mean, we're gonna be doing some more stuff together. I don't know if you're ready to talk about that or not yet, but um, yeah, man, we
2: we can talk about it. You want want to tell me? You know,
1: (laughs) yeah, EYL EYL Podcast Network. Mm -hmm. You obviously know that. You know the people know we have a strong track record with. Our, our our show, our podcast and um uh, market mondays. We said earlier like in March, like we want to we want to work with other creatives and other entrepreneurs and different people to kind of you know help them out as far as their journey in in podcasting. And Market Mondays was our first experiment and um that was wildly successful experiment. Mm-hmm. So now we, we 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 got a a long list of other um people that we're gonna bring on the label.
2: And uh, uh,
1: Chris Chris hit me up, man. So um uh, I think yeah, we're gonna we're gonna work on that podcast, man. Yeah,
2: we, we, it, it's long overdue for me, man. I just didn't have the capacity to do it on my own. So to, it's an honor to partner with the number one <laughs> online learning platform uh, uh, in the world. <laughs> Welcome <to> the label. <laughs> I,
1: I and 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 it, and it's just, this just this just goes to show like you know, we're working together, you mm-hmm. know, we young black entrepreneurs. Chris is in real estate, we're mm-hmm. in the media space. And he recognized that we can we can bring some value to him, he can bring some value to us. So instead of us working apart, we're much stronger if if we come together. And if um you know all of these big corporations can have podcast networks, mm-hmm. why can't why can't EYL have a podcast network and mm-hmm. all of the relationships that we built and and build it out from there? So yeah, you heard it first. Yeah. You heard it first, yeah. ladies and gentlemen.
0: This is breaking news alert. <laughs> look, look, we got so we, we got a couple more breaking news alerts that we going we ain't ready to announce them yet, but trust me, the label growing.
1: Oh no. Nah, it's <laughs> a <lot>. label <laughs> growing. A lot. It's, oh it's, it's my gonna be like God. Rockefeller, it's gonna be like <laughs> Rockefeller in the, in the early <laughs> 2000s. Is the
0: label growing yeah, that's, at an ex, expeditious. <laughs> that's
1: a fact. That's a fact. <laughs> but how can they how can they um your your crowdfund? I know you said it your crowdfund is, is full, but talk about that. As far as like, are you going to open up a new crowdfund or what's your plans as far as your development, like let the people know how they can follow you, all the information that you, you know, you, you, you have to give to the people.
2: Yeah, man. So right now I'm, I'm actively looking at a few different projects that I may use for the next crowdfund. I have not figured it out yet, but as soon as I do, everybody will know. And EYL probably the first ones to know about it. (laughs) Um, yeah. So just stay tuned for that. Um, I can technically, you're going to do one a year if you, if you hit the max. So uh, actually in the end of November, I'll be able to start putting another one together. Um, yeah. So if you want to follow me, just uh, underscore investor on Instagram. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. Um, like I said, uh, if you want to learn more about real estate investing specifically, um, you can go to learnfromchris.com. from chris.com. I have actually have a free guide on five strategies where you can invest passively. So for the busy people, that don't have time and don't want to be active wholesalers or flippers. I got five strategies that I can that I'm showing you how you can truly invest passively and still make money. Um, yeah. So and like uh, that that also leads into a membership group where I, I'm probably one of the only um, instructors online that has courses that's actually talking about gentrification, talking about crowdfunding, and all those things inside the platform as well. So yeah, man. Learnfromchris.com. Investor on Instagram. That's pretty much it
1: there you have it but investor is is underscore, underscore i-n-v-s-t-r
2: yeah yeah the only vowel is the i <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or you just go to the earn your leisure page and click click my uh my yeah, yeah. We, we
1: we put his instagram in the um description of this video as well That's so a fact you definitely should follow Chris on Instagram. A lot, a lot of gems. Yeah, legend.
0: Top. That's why I said we don't throw around the word legend a lot, but this guy definitely is one man. So shout out to Houston. Shout out to the Third gym. world. Third Ward, Fifth Ward. Shout out to Beyonce. Oh. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: yeah. I-
0: I- I- Ivy Park joint drop tomorrow too. So be on the look. Oh, Friday. Look, be on the lookout. Go support yeah, that. Yeah.
1: Shout out, to te- shout out to Dallas, Texas too. Yeah. yeah I was out yeah. there for the first time. My first time in Dallas, and um, that's a dope city too. Now we just got to go to um, Austin. Yeah, we gotta go to Austin, Ooh. Texas. But um, shout yeah. out to the whole state of Texas. Don't mess with Texas, man. Everything is is what is it? Everything
2: Everything's is big in Texas. In Texas. Everything's big in Texas. There you go. Yeah, you know <laughs> they have
1: they having a tough time right now with the sports teams. But <laughs> so good, right? So good, man. But nah, Chris, brother, I appreciate Always you, love. man. I appreciate you. Uh, likewise. Yeah. So stay safe, man. We'll we'll be in contact, and um, everybody, thank you for joining us. Um, this video will be saved on YouTube, so you can go back and watch it if you if you missed a part of it, um, and tell everybody about Chris and and tell everybody about all of the great work that he's doing. And hopefully, you got some information that you can actually use and replicate in your part of the world. That's what this is all about: each one teach one. So, all right, that's, 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 yeah, you have. I
0: was just gonna say, we'll see you next week, peace. <laughs> <laughs> see you all
4: right, y'all, Yo, go call somebody, Amen.
0: man. Go call somebody, reach out. Uh, one test can change a lifetime or change somebody's life. One call could change somebody's life. Make sure y'all do that. Go through your contact list now. Just reach out. Let somebody know you think about them. All right. right. Peace. We love y'all. We out. Chris love bro. All right. I got 24 hours. hours. He ain't playing. We ain't playing.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Don't play yourself. Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to two hundred dollars with spot me and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at
6: Chime.comslash goals twenty four. Banking services is debit card provided by Bank or Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members FTIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.